I'm your host, Stephen Gutteridge, and welcome to Mid-South Moments. Regular host Dan Phillips is here with me today to look back over the July 28th, 1984 episode of Mid-South Wrestling, which is episode 255 on YouTube. Dan, how are you doing today? Very good, thank you. Good, 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 good. So we start at the desk with an incredible Boyd Pierce lime green pattern suit, which gets a solid eight and a half on the Boyd Pierce fashionometer. Um, and he is a lot. Have you ever worn a suit like this, Dan? This, this no, green I pattern. I actually thought he'd worn this before. I think he has actually. Right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, fine. Fine. Has. This is, this is uh, not a new one. And something I'd also noticed was that he has a matching tie. Yes. Yeah, that's something I don't think I'd appreciated before. I mean, he must have, they must have been a local person that did these suits for him, I would have thought. Um, a local party shop. Yeah, well, perhaps, yeah, fancy <laughs> dress. Uh, so Boyd's alongside Joel Watts. He also looks very smart in a navy blue suit, uh, but he's made a quite controversial choice with a white and black striped tie, I thought. Black and navy is a, is a difficult one, isn't it? I think you can get away with black shoes and I navy think... suit. When you're, I think when you're sitting next to someone that's in a lime green suit, I think it really matters. <laughs> fair, fair, a fair and valid point. Um, Boyd runs through what we have in store this week. Uh, interviews talking about what I've, this 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 really made me laugh for some reason. Interviews talking about what's happened in the past and also things to look forward to in the very near future. Plus action in ring. Uh, Boyd says that Joel has. Done, <laughs> this is just not true. Boyd says that Joel has been doing a tremendous job recently, and many fans have commented how well he's doing. I suppose Phil Stigalli, who's guest hosted uh, numerous times, said that everyone hated Joel Watts on this show in terms of his commentary. Um, so I don't know why they were sort of bigging him up. I don't know whether it was to try and change a public opinion or what, but it just felt a bit unnatural. What did you think of this line from, from Boyd okay. to Joel? Well, I just thought it's like, he looks like even, well, he actually even uh, passes over and says, my dad in the yes. next bit. Yeah. So, and I think every time I've seen him, he looks like maybe like a work experience boy mm. that's like sitting there at a the desk like, oh, and he always looks like he's excited and he can't wait to speak. And so, yeah, maybe that maybe daddy had said, big him up. You, I don't you missed, know. Last week, he, uh, I th- actually, I think it might have been two weeks ago. There was one week where Bill Watts completely flubbed the entrance of his first Oh, bit. yes, yeah. Yeah, and then Joel did exactly the same thing the following week. And yeah, he, was, <laughs> he was looking right, like you're trying to cheat an exam. An exam. He was looking right over it. Uh, Jim Ross's <laughs> notes but he just couldn't work it out <laughs> Jim Ross had to save him which is quite funny so um, jo- Joel says we're heading straight to ringside to his dad as you said with Hacksaw Butchered and Buddy Landell and he has a special announcement um, what says that on the previous week these two had lowered the sport of kings the sport of hoodlums which got a good reaction from the crowd Watts runs through the weapons that have been used the boards the chains etc he adds that the injury that Sonny King got was the last straw he doesn't want someone to be seriously injured or worse, lose their life on Mid-South. They then cut to the melee last week with poor Sonny King getting three shots to the shoulder um, after almost killing himself unintentionally with a flying headbutt. Um, did you catch this move at the start here uh, with this with Sonny King running out, running from the right side of the picture, hitting a flying headbutt? And I just thought he'd just, just done himself a horrible injury when he did this. Yeah, so he looked like he'd come off worse yes, uh, yeah. from this headbutt. I actually thought when they... Uh, sort of, obviously they recapped last week um, and just know you know that I think the commentators were really struggling to keep up with what was going on yeah yeah. They were. Uh, normally when you watch do you think about when you watch like a Royal Rumble or, or the like you tend to know roughly what's going on mm. but there was I mean there was a few people in the ring but 
the commentators did not know what was happening. Yeah. Um, I, wonder, I wonder if that was by design or whether that was just a... Well, well, I also think the wrestlers didn't seem to know what was going on. Like, there was yeah. a couple of times where I was seeing, like, I, I wasn't sure if they were attacking the right people. Mm. Um, it just, it was just, uh, unless, again, it might have been a thing of, right, go in the ring and just make it look like mayhem. Yeah, I wonder um, how much they would have talked. I, 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 I do you know what? I would imagine you're absolutely right. I doubt they would talk, apart from the Sonny King gets three shots to the shoulder or something like that, yeah. or some shots, but, and, he, and he's carried out. I bet they didn't talk, talk it through all that much. Whereas this now, this is on Raw or SmackDown, this would be like literally every single thing would be would be planned out. You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Guys, can I just say as well, on the, on the banned items, you said etc. It's very specific list. Yes, it is a very specific list. Uh, two by four, steel chair, chains, dog collars, yep. and tennis rackets. <laughs> I, I think... Did, did the collars and tennis rackets need to be on the da- dangerous prohibited items uh, list? I, I, I think mean, you're, I think you're getting through airport security with a dog collar and a tennis racket. But the other three, I completely understand. Yeah, I mean, a usual. I mean, dog- I know it's linked to the stories, but it's just what a very specific list. Thing is, I suppose you could have a dog collar that had like bits of broken glass glued onto it or something like that. <laughs> yeah, mate, and actually, yeah. a tennis racket shot over the head would would hurt quite a lot. But a bog standard like dog collar to stop your dog getting fleas it's not really going to cause much damage you know, like a little foam collar um, so back at ringside Watts refers to it as gang warfare when Sonny King was badly injured he also mentioned that Cornette used his tennis racket in another match and Watts says he wants to see the pain and agony that Sonny King experienced before he makes an announcement I mean you're not very light there from, from Bill Watts the pain and agony um, we then cut back to Sonny selling his shoulder and looking actually in genuine distress um probably actually just hurt from that headbutt. And plus Hacksaw Jim Duggan saying that they're going to take care of business. Um, We see King being led out before we cut back to ringside. Uh, And Watts says that Mid-South is going to make a statement and make it stick. He says that anyone who brings the aforementioned uh, list of weapons that you mentioned there to the ring and hits someone with it is going to be fined $10,000. And as Jim Cornette doesn't seem to care about money because he has his mother's help, if he hits someone with a racket, he would be suspended. Um, so Butch Reed says that he's glad, glad that Watts is wound up. All they do is protect themselves, and he describes Duggan as a hairy hippie. He says that he would be North American champion right now if it wasn't for these weapons which have stopped his progress, which I thought was funny. Um, Landell said it's not his fault that they kick the daylights out of their opponents and they get so disgusted they have to go in the back and bring out gimmicks, which is actually what he said, um, which leads to them putting them out of professional wrestling. Watts reiterates the fine system in place, and Reed confirms they don't need them as the two pose, and that leads us into the break. I did think this was actually vintage Reed or Landell uh, on the promo stakes here, in spite of some good lines, but, you know, passable, fine. What did you think of this? Um, they had a secret handshake at the start. Oh, I didn't see it. What did they so, do? They sort of done two, like a... This is terrible. I'm just doing the actions, but uh, like a, <laughs> could you like mime the, it? And we'll get people like, at home. Like I guess the mashed like mash, mash sort of mashed potato sort of yep. sign and knock their sort of fist against each other and then sort of wiggle them a bit. Oh, very nice. The start of the clip, yeah. So that was a nice touch. See, that's um, the problem with taking notes. You miss absolute gems like a secret hand, handshake. Yeah, and yeah. obviously you need to look at it because I would fully expect next time I meet you, see you in person, <laughs> I would so expect to be greeted one, by this. two, <laughs> and then wiggle. Wiggle, no, one, something one, like that. Two, then wiggle, yeah, fine. Yeah, something Let's like that. that. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I think that 
that's the they moment to see the last time you came. Really, for me, I felt a bit tedious. That the whole like they showed him getting out of the ring. Yeah, there was no drama. I was just watching an injured man. It took ages. This whole segment was quarter of the show. Yeah, this this is this <laughs> is. Um, I, I don't think you've had the pleasure of doing an end of taping episode yet. Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. Uh, no, I don't but know. But this is this is this is definitely the end of a. T- so this is four shows taped in an evening, and this last one they're repeating things and filling time. So actually in terms of new content here, yeah. I doubt there's probably 25 minutes of new content on this, on this show. Um, and, that, and that's what you get, unfortunately, at the end of, end of, end of taping. So yeah, you're absolutely right. They, they do, they do um, kind of repeat this to the extreme here. Um, so back from the break, we have Jim Ross in the ring and he says that Dr. Death, Steve Williams has requested some time for a statement. Williams says that he should be up there wrestling for the TV title Possession is nine-tenths of the law, and he has the medal. Ross confirms that Mid-South did not recognise him as TV champion, and Terry Taylor is the reigning champion. Williams protests this again and says the whole thing stinks, but if Taylor can beat Khrushchev in the next match, he will give him the medal, but he doesn't think he can do it. Uh, what did you think of this interaction between Ross and Williams here? Yeah, so, yeah, I, when I was on previously, he stole this medal. Mm. two five, one episode. Um He's then used the sentence, possession is not attempted at all. What I liked was JR corrected him. I was actually like, yes, correct. <laughs> he kept putting him right. He kept saying, yeah, but it was like he was a bit like, I don't know, Joe. I was like, this this doesn't work. What are you talking about? It's yeah, yeah, yeah. saying, yeah. like, what are, you, what are you banging on about? Like, yep. you, you can't just take something and go, that's mine. I'm the champion. Like, you, could, you could take something and say, it's mine, but you don't get the things added on to it. Yes, you know, yeah, exactly. you, you know so... Yeah, I, 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 again, JR in the ring. Um, they're obviously, again, they're really trying to sell this angle. Um, so, yeah, for me, the highlight, the excitement was that I've never been on the podcast and reviewed a title match. Ah, really? So I was getting excited myself. I was like, oh, here we go. Yeah. That was yeah. Grabs. yeah. So ah, that, was, that was more. I agree with you about Jim Ross. I think that's 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 the role an announcer should have. Perhaps sometimes a little bit of fear, uh, but but maybe not. I don't know. Actually, I think actually Mid South have got this right because um, I think that in Mid South, you as a viewer watching this would think Jim Ross is right to question uh, Steve Williams here, and I think the assumption is that the fine or the the implications of the rest of attacking the announcer the interviewer would be so big they wouldn't do it so so yeah. the, the, the the announcer calls it right down the middle and questions the stupidity of the hill but the hill finds a way to make himself feel like he's right and that's yeah. exactly it's, it's so simple story but that's the way it should be um so uh Krusha Khrushchev makes his way into the ring as Williams was leaving before the champion comes out to a nice ovation uh Williams remains lurking on the outside as Joel says he's watching on intensely um, and Joel adds that he certainly hopes that Williams has the intestinal fortitude to do the right thing and give the medal back to Williams. And he feels he's being influenced by the wrong people. Watts says he thinks that Williams dislikes both men, but he hopes that he doesn't interfere in the match. Um, I thought this started pretty slowly with Khrushchev catching Taylor in a hammerlock, which felt like it went on forever. Um, Taylor then tries to break out of it as a cha- the crowd chants, go Terry, go. Uh, but Khrushchev forced him back down with a hair pull. They explain on commentary that the usual time limit for these matches is 10 minutes, but Grizzly Smith has extended this one to 15. 
Taylor finally makes it out and puts his own arm lock on Khrushchev. And coming up to four minutes, the pair have done almost nothing apart from arm locks, basically. Khrushchev breaks free with an elbow and things pick up with a good exchange and Khrushchev kicks out the flying body block at one. Um, Khrushchev works Taylor over in the corner with good-looking kicks and punches before the two clash heads at 4.30 and Taylor fall, falls to the outside. So with the ref's back barely turned, um, Williams ran Taylor's head. I, so I, I caught this just as he was doing it, but this looked quite a gentle smash into the ring post. Would you, would you agree with that? So I rewound. Yeah, I did you good. <laughs> uh, I think I've sort of commented before. I'm always like a bit intrigued about this element. So when I saw it, because he hits his head and then yeah. obviously he's bleeding. Yes. And I'm like, okay, so I've not seen too much blood on this show before. So it's like, okay, maybe this is real. Oh gosh, right, okay. And I thought, let me just double check, rewound. And actually, he, when he gets thrown out of the ring, he lifts the apron up. For Does a good he? solid like 15, 20 seconds. Wow. Okay. Before very good get, spot. Before yeah. he then gets picked back up. So I was like, okay, maybe not. Um, oh no, I think he would have I think there would have been a blade in there. I think it would have cut him. Yeah, I, that, I, mean, I mean, yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe yeah. not that maybe it wasn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, maybe it wasn't hard, a hard way cut, as in he didn't cut himself on the yeah, ring post. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but again, I had to rewind for that, so you know, maybe. Most people would have missed it. I mean, I don't, I don't mind the fact that he threw him in gently. I would rather see a more exaggerated, like arm up into the post, like kind of take a take a sort of reminds me of sort of Shawn Michaels taking it or something. But I just think if you're going to do it, even a soft one on the head, it's like, well, you don't really want to do that. But I just thought that was a bit of an odd one. Um, yeah, and he yeah. was, he was, he was. Whatever happened there, he was bleeding pretty seriously when he when he when he came yeah. out. Um, and then Taylor gets back in the ring and he gets hit by gets hit with a big pile driver um, by Khrushchev, but he gets his foot on the ropes to break up the pinfall. Um, Taylor then tries to roll Khrushchev up um, and Khrushchev kicks out and then Taylor catches Williams who climbed up on the apron with a big forearm, which looked good. Uh, Williams tumbles to the floor. Khrushchev briefly takes over with punches and hurls Taylor into the corner, but Taylor reverses out of, of a charge from Khrushchev uh, and then he rolls him up to win and retain the TV title in 7.03, which I think is the longest TV match I've seen so far. Um, I thought they kept Taylor, though this was quite boring at the start, I thought they actually did a quite a good job in keeping Taylor strong here because he managed to overcome the odds and won. So I, I, I thought in terms of the end bit, uh, before we got onto the post-match angle, I thought, I thought this was... Okay. Uh, what did you think of the actual match here? Yeah, just a quick one. Are they, are they usually, yeah, when he said they're usually only 10 minutes, is that right? I, that seemed quite, I, I always swear they sort of mentioned that the matches are longer than that. I don't know. 10 sounded quite short. So the only in 10 time, minute time limit, I mean. Yeah, there's, ne- there's okay, so the, I don't think there's ever been a 10 minute match in the time that I've been watching. The only time limit draws we've ever had have been TV time remaining time limit draws which would have been less than, t- less than 10 minutes as well. There might have been one um, one TV title tournament match that went a similar length to this. But yeah, we, usually the long matches are sort of six and a half. Uh, but yeah, I'd not, I think they were 10 minutes. I'm not, I've not heard them talk about 10 or 15 previously before though. Um, yeah, just of interest. I mean, yeah, I had the classic, the classic roll-up finish. Um, what I've also noticed, the classic... The refs count so fast yeah. in mid south. I mean, bang, bang, bang. I mean, it's so quick. Um, there's a, the classic ending. Um, just, I guess the size, the, the size thing for me. Soviet sympathizer. Yes, I yeah. like that. I like that um, analogy or whatever it is description. Um, but 
just as a little testament to how well he's playing the role of a Soviet, in the YouTube comments, four years ago, someone left the comment, the Russian wrestler is good. <laughs> so, I, I, so just to put in perspective wow. how, how, how well he portrayed, portrayed a Russian, someone has viewed that YouTube clip and, and felt they needed to just let us all know that the Russian wrestler is good. So wow. there you go. There you have it. It's That's excellent. Excellent and very niche <laughs> research. So I very much appreciate that. That's excellent stuff. Uh, so after, after the, the ending here, what stress that Williams promised to give the medal back um, and Dr. Death got into the ring and slowly took it from around his neck before walloping Taylor over the head with it. Um, I quite like this, actually. What, what, were your, what were your thoughts on this here? Yeah, I think it's important to know that it's a non-band item. Yes. So that's why he could use the medal yep. without being fined. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I quite like the bit. I mean, I hate this whole stealing the medal thing. But um, he comes in, he hits him with, and it does play off of the theme of the show, right? So he hits him with... Yeah, um, exactly. Like, well, I actually thought that was quite amusing. Yeah. Um, I mean, sort of thing, he, he survived his head in fear of being cut open on the... Um, yeah, on the side of the ring. But he, he he gets floored by a medal. I don't know I mean, what this. How? Med- yeah, I, I viewed it that it's, he's like he's he's hit him in the already exposed cut, so therefore it would really hurt, wouldn't it? Right? I suspect already you- cut open and you got hit again. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. an object or international object, then yeah, it would it would probably flatten you out. But yeah, I, I quite liked the angle. I mean, I suspect you've probably got more footballing medals than I have. I, I got <laughs> I got most improved player one year and then two years later so no, I was playing yeah, for a different club yeah we had a, we, we had we had a we had a, what, a different type like similar wording for an most improved player is considered something else that like most clubs right yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like that yeah that you were really 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 terrible at the start yeah. you were passable by the end but actually thinking about it I think the, 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 the heaviest medal that I own was uh, runner up in the United Artists Five Aside 1990 competition uh, uh-huh. which took place somewhere, Riddlesdown High School, I think. I was at primary school at the time. And that's that's not an insignificant medal, but I also don't think it would hurt that much. If, uh, I don't know. That being said, if you got clouted right in the face with that, it probably wouldn't be ideal. As I said, I think it's he's yeah. already cut open, right? So if you've got already yeah. a wound, you could be here with anything. If you think like a massive coin, that would probably quite hurt, wouldn't it? So, yeah. yeah, all right, fair, fair, fair. Well, we're, al- we're allowing the medal as, a, as an offensive and bad yeah, weapon. there you go. I mean, all I hope is it's added to this list because, you know, well, we can't be so having what? this anymore. When I was when I was making the notes about it, I was like, I'm not going to go back and, and list them all, and I'm very grateful that you did. But it, he, but this this is again this played into it, didn't it? So Boyd Pierce after the break um, says that that basically Bill Watts laid down the law, law earlier on about weapons, but apparently didn't include medals in the potential items someone could attack someone with, uh, and that's why Williams would avoid a fine. I didn't think Boyd did a particularly good job in explaining this actually, but he ultimately got to the crux of the issue here. What, what do you think of this little? little explanation from Boyd. Yeah, so yeah, I quite liked it. Again, it brought it all together. I thought yeah. it was very good. It's actually like sort of like the, the this whole list thing teed up that happening. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Way. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah. That was good. That's that's good attention to detail. And you know what? Stuff like that, when you've got foot when you're filling 45 or 43 minutes a week. And you know what, actually, I don't care. You should be able to do that when you're filling three hours a week or two hours on later in the week. That you, yeah. you need that attention to detail and storytelling. Okay, so in ring we have Jim Ross standing. Uh, sorry, in Jim Ross introducing Josh Stroud and Mike Jackson. 
Um, and then he handed the mic over to Jim Cornette, who started with a, that's right, I know I look good. And then introduced the most awesome tag team in all of wrestling. Um, and out they come to their normal music uh, and normal lack of matching outfits. Even though on this occasion, Condry has an absolutely fantastic purple and silver sparkly vest, which is as phenomenal as it sounds. Um, did you go, th- I know they're quite in now, uh, but did you go through a stage in the kind of early 2000s? And I say that knowing that you're younger than me and saying that with gritted teeth because you were probably going out a bit later than me. But did you go through the kind of whole Larry sort of Hawaiian shirt phase or, or were you a bit too young for that and you'd been no, that, no. that horrific stuff had passed you by? I mean, I mean, in some circles, I may have been referred to as novelty Dan. So any... Oh, I'm, nice. I'm, okay. I'm, still, I'm, still, I'm, still, I'm still sort of sometimes risking it now. We had we had certain uh, uh, for those uh, UK listeners, uh, Chicago's and Sutton on a Thursday. If you if you wore an <laughs> item of pink, uh, you got a free shot on entry. Nice. Most people deem that as in that 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 offer was aimed at females. Number one, number two, if it was aimed at males, you wore maybe like a pink, like something small pink. I mean, I went out and brought pink shirts. Pink, excellent. Uh, yeah. I went big, yeah. And this was for a shot of. I mean, what can I like? Passable as alcohol, nothing yeah. major. Yeah, <laughs> you know that's so. Yeah, I certainly go for this race. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I think it was a thing, wasn't it? I, I, you see all the guys on like uh, sort of the reality TV shows are all wearing them, and I think they're more thing. But back in like when I used to wear them in, out in Croydon in like ninety nine two thousand, like you would, you were the only person doing it. I remember there was maybe a couple in your group that would risk it, and I had one oh. that was like black. It was almost like black silk with flames all over it and loads of white and terrible shirts. I remember my 18th birthday, I wore a completely shiny purple short sleeve shirt that was just so, so dreadful. Luckily, my mum uh, managed to ruin it after I'd worn it once by trying to iron it and it just left a horrible thing on it. But it's probably for my benefit, really. Maybe you should do it I, deliberately. I, I think it's called peacocking, mate. Yeah, that's it. That's it. I just like, you know, why not? Why not? Peacocking. Uh, so, uh, what, what's on commentary says that the Midnight Express beat the Rock and Roll Express in, a, in Hammond, Louisiana on July 7th in a loser leaves town match. Um, he hopes that someday they'll be back, but they are supposed to be gone for 90 days. So this is a thing that, they, that used to happen quite a lot in the territorial days where an act would lose a loser leaves town match for 90 days. Um, we've had it with JYD working in other places um, and coming back to Stagger Lee. And this is exactly the same thing for the Rock and Roll Express. So during this period, they predominantly worked Memphis and Florida until, spoiler alert, making their return to Mid-South in October, which is something to look forward to. Because um, the shows are certainly better with, uh, with, the, Midnight, with the Rock and Roll Express on them. Um, so the Midnights look good as normal. Um, and this one finishes with a move not dissimilar to Saturn and Cronus' total elimination from ECW, with Condry tackling Stroud's legs while Eaton hit a big clothesline for the win in three minutes. Um, Stroud looked like he kicked out right on three, which is a little bit odd. And um, what did you think of this uh, this match? Yeah, so I guess you mentioned about Midnight Express not matching. Josh, Stroud and Mike Jackson couldn't look any less like a tag team. Mm. I mean, they had, I mean, they just looked like just two blades they'd put together. Um, Stroud looks, Stroud's got an incredible, Stroud, I'm surprised yeah. they couldn't do, I couldn't, I'm surprised they couldn't find something for him. He, he, he is, he's, he's big and he's shredded at the same time. It's like, surely, they, surely there's not too many guys, I mean, he wasn't sure that, that looked like him that were around that they could, they could mm. not do something with really. Yeah, they just seemed like a, yeah, like they just thrown them both in for this yeah. match. I mean, I thought Mike Jackson looked pretty athletic actually. Um, yep. I was quite impressed with him. Um, thought it was quite interesting that 
Gwinnett can't bring his tennis racket, so he brings a, a bodyguard with him. Yeah. Rather than a tennis racket. If we're getting to this, you know, I, I think the bodyguard is more dangerous than a tennis yeah. racket. You haven't seen his single hand backhand to the face, though. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, good point. Yeah. <laughs> um, the finisher, um, I think, was sort of a bit of an. Uh, I, I reviewed a show uh, a few weeks back, and I, I, I sort of likened this finisher to like a schoolboy trip, mm. where, and in that one, one sort of just bent behind the other person while the other one hit them coming off the turnbuckle. Yes, yeah. This seems like they've adapted it and now it's actually it chops the legs while yeah. the other one gets hit. So they, they the schoolboy trip, as I'm calling this finisher. Uh, yeah, it looked is, quite brutal, it, I think. Yeah, yeah. it's actually, well, it's like, okay, that actually looked like a result. Yeah. It looked like you just, someone's pushed you when, when someone's standing behind you. So yeah, no, it's, uh, no they're... they're they're a proper tag, aren't they? So. Oh, yeah, definitely. And and um, we've got plenty more of them to come, which is good. So next up, we have Rick McCord versus Hercules Hernandez, who looks huge. Cornette is on the mic again. He says they don't need tennis rackets to win matches. They just need their bodies and his mind. However, he is going to speak to his mother about filing a lawsuit, and he will get his tennis racket back. Um, this is a complete squash. This Hercules wins with a million-dollar dream. But they don't call it that. That is what it is. In 127 with Rick McCord passing out. Um, any thoughts on on this total squash here? Uh, for the cornet section, talking about legal action yes, to get his yeah. tennis racket back. Just to clarify, you can't use a tennis racket to assault anyone. <laughs> He's talking like it's being confiscated. He's him. got a big tennis match coming on Saturday. He, he, he can't can, play. He can, can bring his racket with him. Just can't hit anyone with it. Yeah, so that is true. What, That's absolutely know, true. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. know what. So, is he going? To, hmm. is, is he going to stand? It? Is he suggesting he's going to go to court and say, "Bring my racket with me," but I do not. I think I should be able to smash someone over the head with it. Perhaps I don't think yeah. the judge is signing. I don't think the judge is signing that off. <laughs> but, yeah. Perhaps he's just so he's so addicted to hitting people with his tennis racket that he can't. He can't. He can't face having it at ringside with him without yeah, attacking quite, someone. The temptation, yeah, it's a fetish, would, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Um, Hercules is a machine. I was, yes. I was actually, um, uh, for example, uh, that hold. Very rare that you see the the arm. You know, like they drop the arms yeah. three times. Yeah, yeah. You know, you always used to see it on the third one. They hold it and they go into some sort of. So I knew it was coming, but that, yeah. that always really, whenever that happens, the free drop, that's like a real statement. Like, yeah. Did he have title? Has he had title shots or is he sort of, because I mean, he, when you could, given we've just watched that TV title match, right? When you look at him compared to them, the three that were involved in that match, in regards to the two, two competing and, and, and Dr. Death on the outside, he is in like, you know, he looks like a champion compared to them three. Like, you know, he looks a lot, he's bigger, you know, looks stronger and stuff. I just wondered, like, is his thing that, you know, he's Jim Cornette's number two or bodyguard or does he go on to, I don't know. So, so basically, he's a title he, contender, is, I guess. He he wasn't he hasn't he hadn't been around in Mid South all that long. So he'd only been in um, from about April, and he debuted as uh, when the Mister Wrestling Two character had a oh, yes, yes, had yes, a, yes. Like, had a kind of backup. Yeah. Um, so so this this isn't all that long into his run here. What we sort of three months three months in, he, and he is around um, Mid South for um, most of the rest of the year. Um, and interestingly, uh, that you say about. Um, you know, potential titles. 
because um, he is a champion in Mid South, not the not singles before the end of the year. So clearly, they had you know big okay. plans for this for this guy going forward. It seems odd yeah. not not um, you know not giving stuff away for things that happened thirty six years ago. But um, yeah, yeah. I mean, he he, he is um, he he is around uh, Mid South for, for for quite some time some some time to come um, before he is. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's still in Mid-South in March 85. Um, then, he's, then he goes off to world class in Dallas thereafter, though, though he does does make some... I mean, he's just flitting around all over the place for the, for the next couple yeah. of years. And then basically, he's in, he's in the WWF from, from November 85, where I think he's pretty much... Um, I think he's pretty much there for... The foreseeable, basically. I'm not. I'm not sure what when he. Which doesn't um, surprise me because again, again to me, he sort of stands out as in regards to his like physique, uh, the the way. I know this is a squash match, but he still looks impressive and how he's sort of doing the moves and his moves and stuff. And that's the oh sort yeah, of thing that, the sort of thing that WWF was snapping up. Right, they were snapping up. Oh like, yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah, blokes that could time. do that. They're more athletic. But so oh, I completely get that. So that's what yeah. I mean, you're going to say something about the submission hold. Oh yeah, so the submission. Um, just to finish on Hercules, so he was he was around in WWF until uh, February '92, and then he was in WCW as the Super Invader. Uh, and then after that, I had no idea that he he worked New Japan for um, for March March '93. So I think he was probably on a tag team tournament tour there, uh, teaming with Scott Norton um, in New Japan. Uh, but yeah, in terms of the submissions, I found it, it's a bit odd actually, um, watching it with 2020 eyes because submissions have changed quite a lot in wrestling because uh, these sort of chokeholds now, if you got caught in that, unless you were a top, 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 top babyface, it was like, I'm not, there's no way I'm submitting. You'd never, you'd never have the finish of the pass out. The pass <laughs> out is... Uh, I don't think John Cena ever did this, but John Cena against the new top or number one heel and he's not going to give up mm-hmm. and he passed out. Steve Austin versus Bret Hart's a prime example. Steve Austin versus yeah. 13 doesn't, doesn't submit. But in this yeah. one, obviously, you may, maybe you make the, make the point. That, this is all before the tap out and the MMA yeah, yeah. and stuff, all that sort of stuff. So I think, I think here the idea is that the guy just got caught with it and was just out so quickly and fading, fading, fading. He, he didn't have the wits about him to actually submit. But yeah, I really liked it. I thought, I thought, I thought that finish was good. Um, so we have the tag team of Bad Bob Owens and Hans Schroeder going up against the dream team of Hacksaw Jim Duggan and the Junkyard Dog. They come out to Queens, another one bites the dust. Um, there's a big JYD chant at the start of this in the Irish McNeil Boys Club. And Joel says that these two, JYD and Duggan, are proving to be a formidable tag team and could probably give the Midnight Express a run for their money for the tag team titles. Duggan hits a dreadful looking close on Schroeder that Watts calls devastating. Um, I thought the action here was pretty rough uh, and JYD make, appears to make a tag to Duggan when he's actually already in the ring. Um, Dog caught, got caught with a knee from the outside by Schroeder when running the ropes and the heels temporarily take over but JYD soon makes it out to Duggan for the hot tag. Um, bad Bob Owens gets slammed right down on his heels by Duggan which looked really bad. Um, JYD is back in with the thump power stamp for the win in 247. Um, as you may be able to tell I didn't like this very much. Um, what did you think of this one? Um, Matt quickly uh, as a two quite powerful uh, half from the dog um, I thought they looked they looked a team mm. um, but for me this match just started with like sort of the rest started me for the rest of the episode sort of like having a little dance in my seat with the uh, another one bites the dust um, good tune to come in on 
um, and automatically brought me back to the gladiators. Okay. Yeah. So my question to you was going to be, who are your favourite gladiators, uh, male and female? Uh, okay. Um, my favourite gladiator was, um, well, can you guess who my favourite gladiator was actually? I'm going to throw it back at you. Right, well, we'll both have the same female favourite, I suspect, in Jet. Jet, yeah, absolutely. Diane Dale, absolutely, yeah. Uh, my favourite male was Wolf. Yeah, I really like Wolf. Yeah, I really like Wolf. But I don't, I'm not sure who you would like. Uh, I quite liked, uh, what was the guy that did, I quite liked Shadow, because it was so good watching him do the, what was the... Uh, Pugil stick one where they fought yeah, Jewel was that the Jewel yeah yeah because because I I liked him in a sense of I really wanted to see him beaten so perhaps that's a sort of a different way but it was always that was really exciting he was standing there like psyching him out and then just bash him off and about yeah perhaps yeah, not, yeah. Perhaps not the best yeah. use of uh, he was there. yeah just yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure he bashed him off but not, that's not the gladiators I watched knock <laughs> them off knock them off the stand <laughs> very quickly uh, I really like Warrior as well but did you remember when it came back on did you watch the Sky One one when it came back yeah yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah I couldn't get into it, it I mean just, I, I, I I I hated Hunter Oh, and wow. I wonder earlier why. One, I was looking through the names and I was like, why do I hate this guy? And I was like, oh, he was did with he leave, Jet. Did he leave Jet for a week of Johnson, didn't he, I think? I don't know. I just, just yeah. remember hating him. God, I imagine, imagine the parties in Birmingham with that lot. Crikey. Oh, um, that, that, that reboot in, I think it was 2008 for Gladiators. They, they obviously, so they filmed all the first round ones um, and then they had an episode where the Travelator wouldn't work. So, um, right. or it was working, but it was too fast. So none of them could get up. Get up it, yeah. Get yeah, up yeah. it. Do you remember seeing that? Yeah. So I, that I've like, heard about this. That was like episode five or something. But I bet that was the first. That was probably the first one they they, they actually taped. But it's, I think they had to turn it off in the end. They just had to run up a travel ace that wasn't. Don't get uh, up it, yeah. Yeah. But I remember the um the 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 classic one was the international gladiators where the series one champion was up against an American guy and it was Eunice Hutt-Hart for the, for the win in the G, for team, team GB versus America. And it was like literally everyone in the country was watching gladiators to see whether we could beat America in these two. Yeah. And we won the women's and the American guy won the men's. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And I think the, Amer- I think the English guy, I wonder if that ever aired on American TV. I think the English guy slipped right at the, uh, right at the top of it. They went up the travel agent. I remember that, yeah. I think yeah. you're right, yeah. 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 Crikey, yeah, perhaps we should... Perhaps <laughs> this, this month in racing history will be Gladiators International <laughs> Final in the future. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Go on, Eunice. Right, where are we? So, um, after the break, we see the uh, Pretty Young Thing video package set to Michael Jackson's Thriller, followed by Pretty Young Thing, which, again, which aired last week. And um, This is the first time you've seen this one. What did you think of this, uh, this Joel Watts video package? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> they kept showing the same dance like it showed lots of different clips but the same clip of them doing some sort of little move by the ring and the understatement of the year I think was Bill Watson saying introducing his um, uh, they, they come into the popular Michael Jackson yeah yeah exactly that's what it was done like just for those of you that don't know this guy's quite popular um, <laughs> yeah I one thing I did like an MJ tribute ad. I didn't stick with that bit. Um, Sorry, Dan, I didn't, I didn't catch that. I said, Sorry, sorry. I said it's, it's like an MJ tribute act. Oh, yes, yeah. Shame that Coco uh, where didn't stick with that gimmick. 
Yeah, I don't know when uh, he found the bird, but that was yeah, uh, that was late. I think I'd have preferred the the MJ thing. Uh, is that they started add, adding they themselves and the and the the, the font or the, you know the, their their name when it comes up added express. Yes, yeah, we we talked about that the last couple of weeks. It's wrong. I don't yeah. know why they why they thought that. Yeah. <laughs> it's really odd. So I'm just like, do you just think uh, if you're a tactic, you've got a bit of press? <laughs> yeah, like, uh, yeah I, don't, I think I, I don't I, you think that they would catch someone would catch that but I wonder I wonder whether the keying was done at the television station perhaps yeah, but, they, but they but they mention it on their on their promo they say oh did they I didn't catch yes. that yeah yeah, yeah okay. they, they say it as well hmm. oh, maybe that's only, only them then. Yeah. yeah only they say it so the commentators don't but they oh. say it they say it how interesting so, so it might be like a nick, uh, maybe like a nickname whether they were going to go for that angle and someone went we got too many expresses. yeah there's probably t- two two expresses too many already really so yeah, exactly, yeah. well not too too many but certainly yeah, yeah, one, exactly. one extra yeah um so in ring are randy barber and pat rose and they will be going up against P- pyt again out to the sounds of michael jackson to a nice reaction from the crowd uh, and matching great outfits which i very much approve of and um, what's calls them fantastic athletes stout which is i'm not sure that kind of a thing to say with this low center of gravity and they can really move around the ring um, he says they are definitely candidates for the tag titles and there was quite a few brewing between them and the Midnight Express. Um, the level of work in this one is like night and day from the last match with both Ware and Austin hitting some good-looking offense on their opponents. Um, Ware hit a lovely-looking power time on Barber at 1.30, but he makes out a two-count. Um, Watts talks about Doc's death again and says he's known him for a long time and it's hard to believe he would use such tactics. At two minutes, Ware goes up to the top and hits an incredible-looking dropkick after Austin threw their opponent against the ropes on the other side. And while it was only a grazing blow, I thought it still looked fantastic. I can't remember seeing a missile dropkick done in this way before. So this is for the win in two minutes. Uh, what did you think of this match and finish here? Yeah, I like the, yeah, the finish was, was a bit like what we said earlier, actually, about what WWF decided to pick up from from other mm. from territories. And again, that 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 finish shows why you know they probably picked this guy up. You know, he's he's a very very athletic like the agility to to catch him you're right okay so maybe the selling of it he's only sort of caught him lightly but yeah it certainly was a like, like yeah like a fit actually i didn't expect that so like no because you yeah. don't you just don't no, the people don't go up um up, up there really um and if they do it's it's quite uh quite a timid jump you know it's all oh, i'm a bit nervous he went for it. I thought it was a good ending. No, you're yeah, I mean, good. I think that's that's a tough. I think that's a tough move to get that. Probably tough to take because that you, you're not controlling what they're doing. So that's why, yeah. generally speaking, I think you would take a top rope drop kick standing still, so you get your arms up or whatever. But yeah, I thought that was I thought that was really excellent. And Coco Beware, um, just looking at obviously we talked about WRF link. He he debuted in the WRF in uh, August '86. Um, and a losing effort to Brett and Jim Brett Hart and Jim the Animal Nightheart um, defeated him and Paul Roma in August '86. Uh, so, um, and to close the show this week, uh, we get another airing of the Fantastics video that aired last week. Um, so, I mean, if it's good enough for Mid South to air it back to back, I'm going to recap it again. Um, so, it's the sounds <laughs> of Sharp Dressed Man, the boys, presumably in a car. Um, then getting dressed in a tux, then back to the car, some cowboy boots. There's a girl hanging out of a car. One of them is pointing at his white shirt. Then they're in full tops and tails, pointing at the girls and dancing. 
Then they're topless. Why not? The girls are they've driven off. They're not interested. Now they're in a car and the ladies look like they're waving and finally they've stopped and they're getting out of the car. Out of nowhere, the fantastic are standing topless in front of a white trans out. And to be fair, if I had their bodies, I doubt I'd ever wear a T-shirt. Um, the girls walk off, not interested. But now they are back, presumably because the Fantastics are now in their tuxedos and they start kissing them with this disturbing close-up on one. And as they zoom out, the boys are topless again. Why not? And the final shot is the pair nodding along to the music, standing by a Rolls Royce. Dan, what did you think of this? I mean, I don't, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> I mean, it is a thing of beauty. Um, are they their wives? I wouldn't have, no, I wouldn't have thought so. Right, I, don't yeah, know if they, yeah. I don't know if they were married at the time or not. Well, the one of the women is. So I know. Oh, so. are you serious? Yeah. So I looked. I was like, "Well, she's she's married." So. Oh, hold on. You're, you're not saying that you've have you researched that it was one of their wives, or did you just know it's one of them wearing a wedding ring? I know it's one of the women was wearing a wedding ring. Oh, okay, fine, fine. Yeah. I, I'm equally impressed with either of the answers there. But, Is that yeah. maybe that's just adding more of a? Oh, look at these guys. They can they can take your woman from you. Sure, that's a hit. That's a hit. Yeah. I want. I've, had, I've added a dimension into that. I mean, that's a heel move, isn't it? I mean, these guys don't go heel, but if you're if you're predominantly snogging people's wives, I think that's a heel. I mean, you might get cheered for that today, but I'm not sure you get maybe, cheered for that in 1984. Maybe when they ad- advertise for actresses, they yeah. wasn't as specific as they were for the Super Day. Hmm. Maybe they found. You know what? Maybe that's quite possible. maybe they got yeah. maybe they got stung on this video. Maybe the husband come in and went, "Wait, my wife," and they went, "Right, <laughs> make sure when we do this like the super date, this is not married, unmarried." I mean, do you think they would have? I mean, uh, it's, it's interesting. I was I was wondering as you saying that how they would have gone about finding the people for these videos. But do you think they actually would have got actresses, or would they have just found fans and wrote them in? I don't know. I don't know either. I mean, I can't imagine them spending money on this. But, the, but, the, but to be fair, though, my ne- my my uh, millennial nephew was horrified by this when he went through it um, a week or so ago, <laughs> and he's like, he doesn't even really understand that the eighties were a thing. I think these video packages packages are fantastic. This it, was it, great. It, this was yeah, great. it was great. It was really really great. Slightly creepy in part, but really really great. Um, I mean, it has literally no link to wrestling. No, it doesn't. Yeah, it's yeah. like a music video that is like. I was trying to think, what is this trying to say? It's just trying to say that if you dress in a sort of a tux, you've got more chance of women than if you, yeah, if if you walk around with your top off. If you're topless with great abs, fantastic pecs, lovely triceps and great biceps, the girls may, leave, may walk off. But if those incredible muscles are wrapped in a tuxedo, they're going to be white interested. Gloves. And, and some white, white gloves. gloves, yeah. I don't know. But yeah, that's, sorry, that's just a sideline. Um uh, yeah, what, what, what a montage! As I said to you earlier on, another one bites the dust. Two matches ago, the rest of the episode you're just into like a sort of a singing, dancing end uh, yeah, to, the, yeah. to the show. So that that was great. And back at ringside, Boyd is with Hernandez and Jim Cornette. He says they don't have time for another match, but they are trying to sign JYD and Duggan versus the Midnight Express for next week. Boyd asks Cornette what he thinks, and he says maybe, maybe, he says maybe, maybe not. But Grizzly Smith is going to have to open the purse strings to make it happen and have them defend the titles on TV. He complains about how they are the ones that bring weapons to the ring, and that's why he defends himself with his tennis racket. Boyd says he hasn't given him an answer, 
but he does say back to him as enthusiastically as anyone has ever said anything to anyone that he hopes that that match will be signed. And what do you think of this uh, this segment with um, Cornette, Hernandez and Boy Pierce? Yeah, I mean, Cornette's great on the mic. Yeah. Uh, again, um, tight ass Grizzly Smith, he called him. Oh, here we go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I like that. That's good. Uh, which obviously is really good as well because obviously the whole, he's got a load of money. Yes. Yeah, uh, exactly. I just thought that was quite good. Um yeah, actually, like it's one of them ones where it's sort of making you go. It's a very good setup. It's making you go, oh, I really want that match. So it's building up to it. Um, I feel when Cornets sort of advertising a match, it's never going to be straightforward. No, no. And it's no. quite frustrating. But obviously, that's, I guess, that's part of it, right? I want you to yeah. go, oh, it's really annoying. Like, I know that's going to, that match is probably going to happen, but I know there's something that's going to mean that it doesn't have the outcome I want. And, and, they're in they're in your local arena. That's twenty five minutes drive away in two weeks, and I'm so I want to pay I want to pay to sit, I want to be there when Jim Cornette gets his gets his, gets his comeuppance and then yeah. the Night Express lose and that and that is what it was that's what it, yeah. what it was. Um, Boyd also mentions that next week NWA World Champion Ric Flair will be there allegedly, though they have previously uh, said that Kerry Von Erich was going to be there when he was, I don't think he, he they announced him as the world champion, but he was world champion and he didn't turn up. So let's see if Flair turns up. And I haven't checked, I haven't looked forward. So that'll be something to be either fantastic, excited about next week or really <laughs> disappointed about. Um, I thought this was a fine episode of Mid-South. Um, obviously we talked about it had the feel of an end of a taping one episode. And what did you think of this one overall? Yeah, there was a lot of filler. Um, but actually... Well, I like some of it. Like, yeah. You know, okay, yeah. Fantastic has been done again. That's quite funny. Like you had the whole the list, the band list. Yep. You had actually, even though it's a filler, there were some things that obviously are going to be themes going forward. So yes, this was this was as as as, as, as a end of taping episode goes. This was one of the strongest ones that I've seen, if not the strongest, because you've you've had you've had episodes before they just had nothing, no new content whatsoever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I thought this was this was pretty good. Dan, thank you so much uh, for your time again this week. Um, and if you if you we've already recorded actually, so uh, this is. I'm, I'm stumbling over my words in terms of how to say it. But if you, if you stay on, you've got two and a half hours of chat about the WF Invasion pay-per-view from July 2001, uh, which depressed us a lot. So, um, yeah, try and stick with that to the end and you'll hear how, how absolutely devastated we were with what happened at the end of that, of that event. Um, and we'll be back next month uh, talking about SummerSlam 1990 and another fantastic episode of Mid-South Wrestling. Dan, thank you again. Thank you. This month in wrestling history, we are reviewing the WWF Invasion show, which took place on July the 22nd, 2001, from the sold-out Gund Arena in Cleveland, Ohio. Back is regular host Dan Phillips. Dan, how are you doing today? Very good, thank you. No longer guest host. I know, regular, I love that. regular host. Twitter profile has been updated yep, for those exactly. who are observant. <laughs> so this is your pick this month, um, and we are reviewing a very, very successful WWF show. In fact, so successful that this is the most bought pay-per-view they've ever done that wasn't called WrestleMania. So no SummerSlam, Royal Rumble, Survivor Series, King of the Ring, Backlash, Taboo Tuesday, you name it. None of those have ever done as many buys as this achieved, which is 770,000. So this show was hugely successful um, on pay-per-view. So first question, um, do you, did you watch this at the time when, when this originally aired in the UK? So I think I did. Um, mm. And I think it was a Channel 4. It was, yes. One. It was a Channel 4, um, yeah. Which means 
makes me think even more. I probably definitely yeah. I definitely did because it wasn't a case of uh, when they were on Sky. It was a creep downstairs to the sort of living room to try and watch it and hope you didn't get caught. Whereas I was lucky enough to have a TV in my room, so Channel Four. Yes, happy days. So I could watch that in bed. Um, so yes, I think I remember it and. Some things sort of, I think, oh, I don't remember that bit. Main event, I, I, it all come flooding back. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, but yeah, no, I, I certainly think I do. And, and I sort of vaguely remember the feud, um, this whole, you know, the whole background behind this, which I'm sure you'll go through. Yeah, I mean, this this was uh, so I, I so this was an interesting time for the company when they signed a deal with Channel Four, um, which for US listeners are all people in Oman, India. We've been heard on four <laughs> continents now, so you know wherever you're listening to this. But Channel Four is a free to air network channel in the UK, um, and they agreed with them to air five pay per views for free every year plus Sunday Night Heat. Um, unfortunately, the relationship did not get off to a good start as the Channel Four bosses were apparently furious at the exposing of Mae Young's breasts, um, which actually were later said to be prosthetics at the 2000 Royal Rumble. And they were like, this is awful. What on earth What on earth have we signed up to there? And I remember that, not to skip completely away, but that Royal Rumble 2000, I'm still a bit, bit younger than me, but I was, in, uh, I was in the upper sixth and that was, there was a huge buzz. Everyone in that upper sixth, all the boys and some of the girls were watching that. I mean, I don't think WF was ever bigger here than that, that early 2000 time when these shows were on Channel 4. Yeah, that, that Royal Rumble is one that I think if you talk to people that watch wrestling all the time or were just sort of float in and out, everyone's seen that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, everyone's uh, seen that Royal Rumble 2000, yeah. haven't they? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so actually, after that 2000 Royal Rumble, um, Channel 4 took the decision to start airing the shows on a 50-minute time delay. So they would start at 1.50 a.m. UK time. Um, and this was the penultimate airing on Channel 4 of a pay-per-view with The Vengeance Show in December 2001, the last time um, they would air on free TV in the UK. I actually watched this uh, in a caravan in Bognor Regis on holiday with my then-girlfriend, um, and I stayed up to watch it. I was not popular, as you can imagine. Um, and that probably also... Why she, probably why she's a then-girlfriend, was that? Yeah, she, uh, she dumped me <laughs> about almost 12 months... Actually, no, it was a little bit less than 12 months afterwards because she... England's first World Cup game was on the Sunday... Uh, against Denmark oh no not Denmark Sweden 2002 World Cup wasn't it the first game uh, yeah. it was also this Queen something Jubilee I think uh, so that was the Sunday went down to Canterbury University with, to, to, to sit with my mates um, had an argument with her on the phone and then got dumped deservedly on the Monday which was uh which was a special time for me. Um, but yeah, on a 50-minute time delay, um, this was this was aired on Channel 4, uh, basically to start off with. Um, and it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was a big deal. It felt like a big deal um, because of the the invasion, basically. I mean, the WF had bought WCW for a reported $2.5 million, which is nothing when you think about how what, what they got from that, the tape library and and everything, and got the ECW stuff out of bankruptcy cult, which was still being washed through at this point. Um, but this felt like a big deal. Um, and the pay-per-view started with various clips of historic figures talking about war, um, interspersed with clips of the WCW and ECW invasion and sound bites from Paul Heyman, Vince McMahon, Stephanie and Shane. I thought this opening package was pretty great. What did you think of this? Yeah, I thought it was the linking to war made it very poignant. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was... And actually, because it's obviously recently been not long, but VE day over here and stuff, there's sort of a lot, a lot of clips that sort of maybe just the time watching it right now uh, got me oh, quite yeah. involved in it. Yeah, there were people jumping out of helicopters and you know all sorts right. of clips here from from the first and second world war, I think as well. Yeah, so, that's right. Yeah, that's yeah. right. I had down. Yeah. 
Um, I, I just, in, in a way, this didn't feel all that old, but in other ways, it really did feel old, including the fact that this event was sponsored by the original PlayStation. Did you pick that yes. up? I can't believe that. That's, that's that is, nuts, isn't yeah. it? I yeah. mean, to, anything that starts, when I talk about a year, if it starts with a two, right, you just think, that's not that long ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, the original <laughs> yeah, the original <laughs> PlayStation, there was, there was actually um, something I was going to come on to a bit later, but as we're talking about, it makes sense to mention it now, which is uh, there was one bit they, later on in the show, they zoom, they zoom out to the arena and um, it shows you the, I don't know, the, the electronic board outside the arena. Mm. And... I mean, what blew my mind was it was sort of one of them, sort of not, uh, there weren't visuals on it. It was like, you know, moving text. Yeah. I was thinking it, I think it's, I mean, it is 2001. Um, that looked like something out of maybe early 90s, late 80s, like signage. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. And I was yeah. a bit like, what is that about? But when you think about it, this is this is pre iPod. We all had probably like Nokia phones or something back then, where you could you could text people. But this is this is yeah. this is probably dial up internet. I'm not even sure if um, I can't remember what the what the internet that was the better one that was after that was was even. It probably was dial up. I remember buying tickets yeah. for WrestleMania 17 on dial up internet, so it must have been around this time. Yeah. Um, we got on. There was an odd cut to start off with here with Lance Storm and Mike Awesome not getting their full engines. Did you notice that? Um, no, um, I, I was, no, I didn't notice that. I was more because I, I, Lance Storm I'd heard of, mm. um, but Mike Orson was not one that, um, I'd really heard of before. Yeah. He, he was uh, more, well, more well known for a run as ECW champion. Um, oh, okay. and then he, he left with the title, um, and then he had, he basically agreed to come back and lose the ECW championship to Taz who at that point was under WWF contract. So they got right. him in, squashed, like literally like a 10-second squash, got it, got Mike Awesome out of there again and um, got the title switched back to Taz. But I can't remember how that, I think that ended up with the title on Tommy Dreamer, but that was really dying days of, um, of ECW. And, and interestingly, Triple, there's a kind of famous or infamous match on SmackDown that took place. So after Taz had won the ECW world title, Triple H beat him on SmackDown as, as WWF champion. He did a WWF versus ECW champion match. And it was always thought, well, they didn't really need to do that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, so Storm gets on the mic here with his, if I could be serious for a minute, um, catchphrase, which drew big boos from the crowd. He says, this will be a defining moment for the industry, but then is cut off by Edge's music. And he is out with Christian, who is holding Edge's King of the Ring trophy that he won um, a month before. I thought Edge looked absolutely shredded here. Did you know, I mean, he... Uh, this is not to cast aspersions. Yeah. This is this is pre pre testing days. So I think there's some some good looking bodies on this uh, on this show. Yeah, I mean the theme tune hits. It's a great theme that one. Mm. You think you know me? Bang. Um, also thought you know, they're a tag team and like he's got Christian to hold his <laughs> hold yeah. his trophy. I thought it was a bit. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I wasn't really sure what the full thinking was behind so, that, but uh, yeah. I think Christian was, I think the angle back then, because they were splitting these two, I think that Christian was holding it as if he'd won it, I think, thinking back. So that's why uh, he had it the whole time. So he kept like snatching it off of him and having uh, it. Okay, right. It's like a joke angle. Yeah, I think they'd split by the end of the year. I could be wrong. Maybe I think Christian ended up on the WCW side, but I could, I could be wrong about that. Um, also, when Christian start the match, as Ross says, this night is more important than titles. Um, Christian hits a crazy looking move early from the top rope where it looked like he slipped a little bit and then flipped over onto the outside on Storm and Awesome. 
Storm held Christian under the rope, stomach first into the ring post, which was absolutely brutal. Um, and Ross explained on commentary that all of the officials were decided as a result of a coin toss to try and keep things impartial. I thought it was a nice touch of Ross to add that. Um, awesome hit, a very impressive looking frog splash at 6.30 for the near fall on Christian, which Edge broke up for a big reaction from the crowd. Awesome looked to be going for an awesome bomb from the top rope, but Christian reversed out of it with a backdrop as the crowd built for his hot tag to Edge, who took over on Storm, who had also been tagged in. Storm traps Edge in a small package, but Christian reverses it into the ref's back for a very close near fall, which the crowd bought into. And the closing sequences here had Edge kick out of a super kick from Storm with Awesome going for the pin. Awesome then went for a power bomb, but Christian stopped it with a spear and Edge fell onto him for the pin in 10.09. Um, not a classic, but I thought this built nicely towards the end. Um, it was quite good fun. What did you think of this opening match of Invasion? Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of things you actually mentioned there so, um, that I sort of wanted to highlight, which was the, um, the the botched thing by Christian. Yes. Um, yeah. What I actually admired about that is JR, going back to how this guy is an absolute pro commentator, yeah. because it was quite clearly a botch. And he then went on to a little thing about how the wrestlers get pre-match jitters. Yes. And yeah, about yeah. how that's probably a pre-match jitter. Yep. And I was like, that is... I mean, look, we still know it's a botch, but he's just come out with that bang, it's pre-match jitters. He's probably nervous. And then you start going... Oh, yeah, actually, it was a botch, but yeah, it probably was because of me. I started believing it. Like, yep. <laughs> yeah, it actually, probably was pre-match. Actually, no, he's just he's just messed up. He just slipped. Um, yeah, yeah. Then I also completely agree that storm throwing Christian into the post. Yeah, it's one of the ones where I went ow. Yes, <laughs> and I actually rewound that to sort of have a look as in, you know. What did he do to stop that hurting himself? And I, I really don't know. If he I did. don't think he did anything. Oh, I, I think he just he genuinely yeah. hurt himself. Yeah, I, I don't know whether he was supposed to get his hands up, but he, he took that full stomach into the post. Like there was no, yeah. there was no stopping that at all. Um, um, so that, yeah, I mean that looks. You know, like, sometimes you go, okay, that is a kind of bad. Um, yeah, I like the ref thing with the twin cross. Yep. Twin cross, twin cross. And the other thing that <laughs> the other thing that I quite liked was. Um, and you might have picked up on it, but one of the commentators uh, said that Chris Jericho had referred to Lance Storm as a Forrest Gump lookalike. <laughs> which, <laughs> I didn't catch I mean, that, actually. Given Chris Jericho's, obviously, as you know, I, I listen to AW and I think he's absolutely hilarious on there. Just thinking, God, even in 2001, this guy's coming out with like little one-liners that are yeah. like, they're not even like, they're like schoolboy insults, but you just, it's just funny. Like, because then I'm just watching Last Storm thinking he looks like Forrest Gump. He does look a bit like Forrest Gump, actually, doesn't he? With the, the haircut and everything. Yeah. Uh, but no, it was good. What did, you, what did you think of the match overall? I mean, it was it was fine, was it? Decent. I think this was, this was, this yeah, was okay, wasn't it? Yeah, match. Um, and ultimately, the difference was, for me, that Edge and Christian were an experienced tag team and they looked it. Yeah, uh, yeah, and the other two look like two people that have been put together. Um, yeah, they may have had matches before, but I mean, come on, Christian. That's, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not familiar with those with those two tagging too much, um, too much together before. But yeah, this was this was not a bad, not a bad start. And um, backstage, we cut to Vince McMahon, and this is another showing of how actually. 2001 was quite a long time ago because instead of watching on a like a big flat screen TV or something, there's a big old CRT TV here with a big back on it. Um, and he shouts, yes, Edge and Christian reek of awesomeness and does a little dance. Um, Regal appears and he tells Vince that Austin and Miss Deborah have arrived. And McMahon says, the old stone cold. And Regal hilariously says, yes, drinking and punching people. 
Uh, McMahon tells him that he should be getting ready for his match with Raven and that all he has to do is go out and do exactly what George Washington did to King George's Redcoats in the Revolutionary War, smear them and bloody them up. Regal, the Brit's facials are so good here, looking down and looking a bit sad. Vince then says, maybe that was a bad example, but you understand. I thought this was incredible. This was just... This was Vincent Mann at his peak as a performer, and Regal was just brilliant here. What did you think of this segment? Yeah, exactly. That is exactly what I saw for it down here. That is the that is the Vince McMahon, that, not the one that you see now or the one yeah. that's coming. You know, all these different recent events and all the things that he's doing wrong and all of this. This was like, yeah, this this man knows what he's doing. He's, yeah, he was. Classy, he's adding himself to the show in a good way. Yes, uh, and, he, and 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 there's a reason why he's there, obviously, because this whole. Uh, pay-per-view obviously has a McMahon family feud undertone um but yeah another war link like yeah, yeah it's just clever it was yeah, yeah. it's interesting actually and we'll get onto this more later on but of the three McMahons on this show I found Stephanie absolutely excruciating and Shane pretty bad and Vince was just incredible like Vince was so good in every single segment that he was in and, and this is it's, it's, it's difficult to underestimate how good of a performer Vince McMahon was from the time from post post Bret Hart in November '97 all the way through to this this point here, his his he became a bit stale after this as as time went on. They tried to recreate the Austin thing with Cena and various other people, but yeah, I just thought Vince was you know absolute top draw here. Um, we then get a recap of the referee feud between Earl Hebner and Nick Patrick um, and then get into a scuffle backstage. Uh, we show Patrick making several questionable calls and then Regal telling Hebner to stand up for himself, which leads to the challenge at Invasion. Uh, Mick Foley is out to referee this match, um, which I had no recollection of at all and is a really odd role for him in such a low-profile contest. Um, nonetheless, he got a great reaction from the crowd and we get a good look at the stage um, for the first time here, which is as, which I thought was a really nice touch. We've got the, the WCW, ECW curtain on the left-hand side um, and the WWF one on the right with a rampway from each leading to the middle to the main aisle. Um, Patrick is out, accompanied by other WCW officials. Hebner is out second, again flanked by WF referees and he gets a decent reaction. Um, he gets right in Patrick's face to start off with and has to be held back by Foley. Um, after the bell, Hebner pushes Patrick and is on the receiving end of a slap. Earl gets on top and throws some iffy-looking kicks at Patrick in the corner. Um, and I'm really, the less said about this one, the better. Um, while both men worked hard, um, I thought this felt a little bit out of place, um, albeit the crowd did get into it in, in spots. Um, Foley threw all of the WWE refs on the outside to the back um, after they attacked Hebner on the outside and there was a big chant of Foley and Hebner won with a ish running tackle in 250 um and i'll I, I stop there and so what did you think of the match before the um before the ending here i mean what match in inverted commas i'm not sure why this was on the show really but there we go so i sort of just assumed it was on the show because you know it's just another another angle for the sort of wwf vc wcw thing um a couple of i guess things for me was how <clears throat> that, that they showed the the promo leading up to it, yep. Which I've said before. This I think you know back then, WWF done the whole. If you could watch a pay per view and not have seen anything yes. for the past however much, so that's how good they are. Um, and with this one, I, the main thing that stood out to me was that it, it, the WCW refs were were portrayed as cheats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Heaven was sort of portrayed as the like a, the good guy. Uh, yep. They like made a heel and a face out of it, whatever. Um, Basically, they turned. This wasn't. I think there was an invasion uh, pay per view planned, but after 
the first sort of WCW in inverted commas match aired on Raw and the, the crowd booed, booed Buff Bagwell and I think it was Booker T out of the building. Vince basically decided to turn the whole promotion. That's how we got to this. So this was this was very much work in progress in terms of from that point in June to the July pay-per-view. But yeah, you're absolutely right. WCW, ECW was the heel. And I think when they realized they didn't have enough on the when they realized they thought they didn't have enough on the WCW side, which I think it becomes clear with some of these matches. That's why the ECW guys that were already in the WF, like the Dudleys, were, were turned basically as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, 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 you might know the the did the refs have their own entrance themes for this match? Or I don't know what these themes were. Yeah, I, don't, yeah, I, don't know I mean, they were, they were yeah. good, but I um, wondered like... There were um, some dreadful themes on this show. Like, a lot of the WCW uh, ones were awful. Um, I mean, there's... Yeah, there's... I've, I've made a comment. I, I mean, I love a theme, so I'll yeah. make a comment <laughs> as we go through. But um, yeah, I mean, Mankind comes out. I, I actually... You know, I think it's quite iconic that uh, Mankind's special guest referee jersey. Yes. I yeah, feel yeah. like I've seen that so much. That way, yep. you know, the, the sort of painted on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Black and white. Um, but I also noticed, I think he had WWF and WCW. He did. I noticed was, that as well, which is a bit odd, wasn't it? Yeah. Event. Yeah, yeah. Funny um, uh, things. He knew the mandible claw was coming out. Yeah. Um, at some stage. And like you say about the the ending, um, Ebner, like the, the, uh, Patrick, he, he's a big guy. Yeah, yeah. He and Ebner yep. just sort of runs into him. He's out. <laughs> and the mandible claw then lasts for seconds. Yep. And it's knocked him out. Uh, I mean, he's probably had his own, like, sucked his thumb for longer. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like and, and, and a more painful experience. Like, it, it's just literally just sort of touched his tongue and he's gone down. So, no, at the end of the day, that's not what he's, uh, that's not what he's there for, right? To, no, uh, no. To, exactly. sell, to sell a match uh, like that. So, I'll let him off but yeah it, you know what it, it feels some time I, I sort of got what I was saying yeah I, I, I thought I remember when I when this came on um, I thought that they put this on because I remember sitting in the caravan thinking this 19 <laughs> years ago I thought they put it on so they could get the WCW a easy victory and a match didn't matter that's what my thought and then, and then at the end of this the WF we, well we thought they were 2-0 up but they change it as, as we go along as, as, as I'm yes. sure you spot, yeah. spot down as well um, so after this Ross Jim Ross says well it was kind of bowling to shoot ugly which I think is an understatement but Earl got it done and, and as they mentioned uh, Patrick ended up with the, the Mr. Socko uh, in his mouth, which is uh, reasonably vile. And after that, we get an advert for the future episode of season one of Tuck, um, where they where they appear to be um, basically in a, in some sort of adult establishment. I think these guys did did you, did tougher was tough enough on your radar back then? I can't remember whether it was ever <laughs> so ever appeared I, on UK TV. I think it was on UK TV back then. I can't really. I think so. Um, I I think I'd heard of it because they used to mention it. In the in like Raw or SmackDown, yes, right? yeah. yeah. Um, so then I think maybe MTV maybe picked it up and put it on. You're um, exactly right. MTV UK had it, and it was an MTV show. Yeah, that's where it was on. Yeah. So I guess that uh, I say from from the actual this actual preview, you say it's a gentleman establishment, but it's maybe gentlemen that like gentlemen establishment. Oh, well, I, I actually said adult establishment because it looked like the okay. girls were in a male strip club and the guys were in a... Go- uh, oh, were yeah. the guys with it? I thought the guys were a girls. I don't know. Wasn't it? Yeah. I certainly looked some sort like that for me. Maybe not an episode I massively upset I missed. I haven't gone back to search that. What I did go back to see, though, was from that series, who come out of it that I'd heard of. Oh, okay, yes, yep. And Josh Matthews. 
Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was commentated for a long time. But my question for you was actually going to be, I'm guessing there was a few seasons of that. Is there any notable success stories? Um, I don't know if they won or not, but I think the Miz, the Miz was certainly in tough enough, and maybe John Morrison as well. Um, okay. But I don't think that anyone particularly has won it. And um, Joe, I'm going to I'm going to look at this while, uh, which is well, me me smashing on a keyboard is always um, is always good podcasting. But I'm going to I'm going to actually look. I think there's a there's a guy called uh, Matt Capitelli who who was who was potentially going to be. Um, you know, a very, uh, very big star, um, but was unfortunately was was ill for a long, long time. Um, and it, I, I think in terms of other people, yeah. So John Hennig, John Morrison did win, um, did win the third season um, along with Matt Capitelli. Um, her, Matt Capitelli, unfortunately, passed away. He's thirty-eight a couple of years back. Um, I think he had brain cancer, which was which was just awful. Um, so looking at the other tough enoughs. Um, this wiki, you know what this Wikipedia uh, is. The problem, awful. I guess, the problem with a lot of the the, the tough enough stuff. If you're looking quickly on Wikipedia, everyone changed their name, right? So, well, yeah, that's rare. that's true. I mean, they did they did bring they did reboot it um, not all that long ago. Into well, I say not that long ago. It's ten years now. That doesn't feel that long ago. It was Steve Austin as the host, um, but again, okay. the guy that won that one um, didn't end up really doing anything. I think that there were some problems with him, um, and he just sort of disappeared. Um, yeah, uh, there was Ryback was in it as well, Ryan Reeves. Oh, yeah. um, but again, he didn't he didn't win. A guy called Daniel Pewter won. But the, the the thing that he did that was the kind of most famous thing was that he um, they had a weird challenge on SmackDown, and basically it was all like, all like bullying and hazing these people, and they put them in the ring with Kurt Angle, and Kurt Angle was supposed to like rough them up for real. But Daniel Pewter was like an ex MMA fighter, and he got him in like a key lock with his arm. And Angle's like, what are you doing? And like, like, he's like, well, I'm not going to let you rough me up. And it was like a big thing. But then he never, nothing ever really happened with him after that. <laughs> I think Pewter wanted to fight Angle in the in the UFC, but Angle never, okay. never passed, passed medical for that. Um, so uh, after the Tough Enough habit, we're back at the desk with Ross and Cole. Uh, and Ross runs through the main event, the inaugural brawl, um, the, the title of which makes me think they were planning to do this again, which I would say didn't do, um, of, of the teams uh, of DDP, Booker T, Rhino and the Dudleys on the... WCW, ECW team, and Steve Austin, Kurt Angle, Chris Jericho, The Undertaker, and Kane on the WWF team. And JR puts over how important it's going to be that the WWF have got the old Stone Cold back. They cut to scenes from SmackDown on the Pride Thursday when DDP kidnaps Austin's wife, Deborah, and it shows Austin then chasing after them in a limo that he commandeers. Um, we get a fantastic segment next, excellent acting. We get Deborah McMichael, um, or I suppose Deborah Williams at the time, I don't know if she changed her name, and The Undertaker's former wife, Sarah. Deborah explains what happened, and Sarah says that DDP is not only is he a pervert, but he's a psycho too. Sarah also refers to Taker as Mark here, which made me want to vomit. Um, what did you think of this? Oh, that's, well, I'm not quite sure you are where you wanted to vomit. I get it. It's a nice personal touch. It's adding, I just a, felt that's, it's adding that level of realism. I suppose I like she's not going to call her husband The Undertaker. Yeah, like, yeah, I'll tell you God. what, if she had, a, if she had a said The Undertaker, I guarantee you'd have picked that up and said, a bit weird. Why is she calling him by... Yeah, fair enough. I just hated it this so much that this is just so, so terrible that I just didn't... This is, this is the girl that... Do you remember Undertaker's tattoo on his neck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like... Don't just don't do it. Yeah. So he didn't because he didn't. I noticed as soon as I saw, oh, that's her. Yeah. And in this, I don't think he's got, has he got the tattoo? I couldn't, I can't, I can't remember. Uh, no, I think the tattoo's later. Yeah. Yeah. I because later. I know that, I know that when uh, last time we reviewed um, 
from the last show that we reviewed where it was um oh uh, clash of the champions clash of champions yeah, yeah. and uh, on that he didn't have it no i think this, any tattoos, yeah so. this is she's much i think he was married at least once before Sarah, I think, and now he's obviously married to Michelle McCall. But yeah, yeah I just Deborah was fine, but I found Sarah quite awful here. Um, and up next, we have Chuck Palumbo and Sean O'Hare, the WCW Tag Team Champions versus the APA, who are the reigning WF Tag Team Champions, uh, with no titles on the line here. Um, we get a package of Bradshaw cutting a rallying promo to the WF stars, which was quite good. And then it shows O'Hare and Palumbo invading and attacking Matt Hardy um, and then getting caught by the WF superstars and beaten down. I remember watching this angle when it happened, that when um, O'Hare and Palumbo came in. And I was get, I mean, I was, what was I, 19? I was in it. I was into this. I was like, get them, get the WCW. Like, they're invading our promotion here. And I, like, I remember, like, this, this really hit a nerve a lot of yeah. people, which is why it's so disappointing. They so badly bodged it but we'll get we'll get on to that later <laughs> um so later it shows o'hare and palumbo getting revenge by attacking the apa at the wf new york uh restaurant i actually had funnily enough a coincidence i went to that restaurant with the girlfriend that was in the caravan with me when i watched this event but i that, have no idea why you're not still together it's well blowing my mind funnily enough she'd actually dumped me before that holiday but we couldn't get a refund so we decided <laughs> to go anyway it was an awful, awful week. Oh, uh, this gets better. Yeah, oh, it's a, to be honest, we could. Dismal. I mean, do you want to finish this pod stuff in this episode, or <laughs> I discuss might, maybe how that? I might go and ring her. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's the yeah. one. That, that's the one that dumped me just after, the, just when the World Cup started, and we went to probably July. Yeah, probably like 12, 12 months after the show. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. I tell you what, the WF New York restaurant was awful. The, the food was terrible. It was really dark. Um, and you think you're going to go in there and it's going to be like, you can get a, like a Steve Austin burger or something, but there's nothing like that. It was, just, it was rubbish. Not enough memorabilia in there either. I was, I was actually going to ask about this actually at the start. That they, at the start, they panned, um, they panned to WWF New York, which yes, was full. Yeah. Um, so it reminded me quite a lot of, so for like, obviously I'm a big NFL fan, so all out, cause the Super Bowl parties you get and they, you know, they pan around and go to the different venues. Um, and I remember... WWF New York being the thing and always thinking, you know, if we'll go to America, like I want to go to America and, you know, trying to go to America and then catching a show that's exactly there when I happened, you know, were there. Whereas like I always thought I could just go to WWF New York. Um, is it still there? The building's still there, but WWF New York <laughs> has been closed for a long, long time. In fact, do you want to, I, I've just looked this up, so I, could, I didn't remember the top of my head, but I knew it was huge. How much money do you think Vince McMahon lost on WF New York? Which oh, it opened I, I in November, November 99 and it it was defunct, according to this article, April 2003. So closed in April 2003. I had the pleasure in July 2002. So what do you think uh, in terms of loss? Start. I wouldn't know where to start. I don't need that. $25 million. Oh, was good. Oh, was good. I would have said 10, but 25. Yeah, wow. $25 million. It, I mean, it was prior, it was pr- it was right in, in Times Square. So God knows how much the rent would have been on that place, but it was a hugely expensive piece of real estate. And it wasn't small. I mean, you've seen it in the pictures. It wasn't small yeah, on the inside massive. either. Yeah, it was yeah. big. It so, like yeah. Over here when they sort of panted the O2 or whatever. Yeah, it, um, it wasn't small at all. It was like... It was I, probably, I watched the Super Bowl one year in the O2 and it reminded the, me of that... Was it the Indigo you watched that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it reminded um, me of that. It probably was a little bit smaller on the downstairs, but not a huge amount smaller, no. um, I wouldn't say. Yeah. Uh, so the APA are out first with the tag belts around their waist. Um, and I always prefer the look of people that wore belts around their waist rather than over their shoulders. So if you, were, if you were a champion, and that's not to say that there's not a wrestling championship in your future, Dan, would you be a belt around the waist or belt over the shoulder kind of guy? 
well, spoiler alert, not mean to ruin things, but this will go out after a fight fest. But um, Taz just whips out a belt this week uh, yes, on yeah. fight fest. So last week, I, I mean, obviously we're recording yeah, this. We're recording this live, aren't we? Of course, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so therefore, I could be a champion. Just make my own belt up. Yeah, but if oh I did God, have yeah. one. Um, uh, do you know what? I think it would go around my waist. Yeah, it's be I like waist, that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. Shoulders is always... I know The Rock used to do shoulder. Steve Austin used to do shoulder, but I just think put it around your waist. I think that's where a belt should be, I think. I also think when I thought that maybe that, you know, if I was going to be a wrestler, I was definitely going to be in DX. So I needed sort of all my arms <laughs> free to sort of... Yes, you know, of do, course. Do that's a very good stuff, point. You know what I mean? I can't yeah. be doing all, all my moves and joining in on with the Road Dog and Billy Gunn if I'm a... If I've got a belt to worry about on my shoulder. Yeah, no, so, most, yeah, most definitely. <laughs> most definitely. So O'Hare, O'Hare and Palumbo roll to some absolutely terrible sounding music. Um, they get going right from the bell. Um, Ross puts over the fact that um, Palumbo and O'Hare beat Diamond Dallas Page and Kevin Nash for the in January. Uh, Bradshaw caught Colombo in the corner and turned around with a fallaway sandwich. That's impressive. And then out of nowhere here, Palumbo got smashed with a clothesline from hell from Bradshaw for the win in 717. I thought it was fine. I think this looked quite stiff. Um, decently worked heavyweight tag ty- tag match, albeit a tiny bit dull. And um, what did you think of this match? Yeah, so look, I put down it's a good match, but you had four units. Mm. Uh, it's gonna it's gonna have limitations. Um if I start like the the APA, I used to find them very, very dull. Mm. Um just in general, um, you mentioned before he done the, the he was with the other uh, superstars. Um, um, oh yeah, the, the speech report. Sure. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. I put down he was with the Heat Squad. Yeah, <laughs> and by that you know, I mean they are WWF yeah. superstars that literally only really appeared on Heat. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was the sort of second string. Um, Palumbo and O'Hare didn't know him. Um, I was, again, going back to your unfounded allegations against Edge earlier on, I suspect <laughs> that maybe these two could also be, yes. be guilty of this. I don't um, think this was protein shakes and, uh, you know. No. Um, no. I spoke to Tony, who you've had on here before, yep. uh, who was a WCW fan. Um, just to put a bit of background about that, he detests this pay-per-view. Yep, I'm not um, surprised. Mainly as his view is, all the main boys weren't there. Yep. So, and they had to then fill it with ECW. And as he's pointed out to me, I'm now then banding them in, in, in WCW and he doesn't want anything to do with them. Um, but he mentioned to me that Palumbo and Hare actually look quite promising. Um, but they sort of come through at the end, the back end of WCW. So yes. he sort of thought never got talent. And then obviously he mentioned, you, you, you'll tell me which one, one of them died quite young as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, Sean O'Hare yeah. did, yeah. So, um, yeah, so actually, I was, when they cast, I was expecting a bit more, to be honest. Mm. Um, the only other thing for me was I um, did not know that Teddy Long was a ref. Yeah, yeah. He was a manager at WCW, then I think he was referee as well, then obviously yeah. back to being a manager and, uh, so, and a commissioner, yeah. Yeah. So or GM, was, I suppose, yeah. I, yeah. I thought I saw him, um, which I did, because I went around during the El Avenue Act. Yeah. And it was him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was just a little side. But yeah, as you say, again, the, the APA looked like an experienced tag team because they are. And the mm. other two did look like they'd just been put together for this. And it does show. It, these things do show uh, when people have been a team for so long. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, you're right. 
the moves are very limited. But you know, yeah, I the, think um, big boys try doing. You know, uh, I mean, this is a this is a place for radio uh, podcast. <laughs> if you saw me, I, I was a big boy. I, I ain't going to be doing no flips. I'm not going to so be doing no I, flips here. No moon I don't want to go with them. When, <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> if me and you were in a tag team, we'd be very similar. <laughs> we'd be ground based attack. Very stiff. Very stiff. Yeah, I think the thing the thing with these guys is, and I think Tony nail on the head because I think. What you've got to realise about this time is that this was this was this is two thousand and one. This is nineteen years ago, but this is old school times. This is these WCW people are coming in and they want our jobs, and we're not going to help them. And they can't work, and they've not been through the WF system. And these guys, I mean, I remember Undertaker would work with Diamond Dallas Page at the start, and Page was fine. Page was, was decent. He's very popular in WCW. He got him with an awful gimmick in this as a stalker. He's like he can't work. Uh, good and that, and that and that was a thing again that that affected him and um really sort of stopped his push right from the get-go really and, and that's the same with O'Hare and, and um, Palumbo I remember seeing these guys in WCW um towards the end they're thinking these are athletic guys one of them did a swanton I think I think O'Hare did and it's like yeah. these, these these guys need someone who will you know take them along like if they're in AEW now or they'd have been in ECW back in 98 Paul Heyman yeah. would have hid their weaknesses, uh, you know, pushed their strength, etc. Um, and I think now, again, the thing you've got to realise is these these guys have nowhere to go. The guys in the WF roster, if you're a mid-card, you're like, well, actually, these these, these 10 WCW people come in. I'm not going to help them because you've got nowhere else. If Vince doesn't want yeah. you, I mean, TNA wasn't really a thing. Um, I think that started maybe 2002. But again, they were running weekly pay-per-views and making no money. It wasn't until much later that there was, you know, you could make any real money there at all. Um, so yeah, I think it was, it was a bit of a sign of the times, unfortunately, that these guys didn't, didn't get on all that well. Yeah. Um, so backstage to Vince and Jericho and Vince says that he, that WCW wanted an invasion and they're getting an annihilation as they're three down, I think on the scoreboard. Well, the unofficial scoreboard, we'll talk about that more in a bit. Um, he wants to talk about Jericho's involvement in the main event. Chris says no one has pointed out that he had been in WCW and ECW. WCW never had a leader, but ECW does in Paul E. Heyman. And you know what the E stands for? Jericho asks. It stands for, ooh, gross. Jericho runs through the various ways of calling him chubby. And he says he's as ugly as he, as ugly as he is physically. He is the same mentally. And he's passed that on to Shane and Stephanie. And they are going to come on strong. Jericho says that tonight they're going to get get, get, get even. And then Vincent Jericho jointly do the WCW will never ever be the same again. Um, before we skip on to the next bit with Stephanie, what did you think of Jericho and Vince here? Well, I knew you were going to stop me on anything with Jericho. <laughs> but I, was, uh, yeah, I think people have worked that out by now. My uh, uh, take from this was Jericho's t-shirt um, had Jericho hole on it. Oh, yes. Yeah. And it was like a beard. That was new to me. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I don't remember that. I'm annoyed I don't remember that. Um, obviously I'm then sitting there saying a little bit of the bubbly to myself uh, relentlessly <laughs> um, yeah and do you know what also I liked I liked it's another promo where Vince is getting on with his stars yeah his main stars and it actually looks like it looked really natural because yeah. actually let's be honest in reality they probably most of them and we've all heard different stories and stuff but they probably most of them did get on with him. His top guys, I think he had a good relationship yeah. with, yeah. So actually, this was a, maybe one of their first or only opportunities to actually get on with him, yeah. like actually have a bit of genuine chemistry, which they probably got. 
Yeah, not too many people got. Yeah, not too. Not all that many people got screen time. You're absolutely right with Vince, and that's a big thing. If you're working with him and it's working, and he's gonna like you more. Mm. Um, So Stephanie is standing backstage with Shane McMahon and Billy Kidman, and Stephanie says that she hates Chris Jericho and stresses the point three times while uh, Shane is trying to give Kidman a pep talk. He tells him that X Pack is fast and he needs to get the job done. Um, Kidman says it's all under control. Heyman appears and he screeches that he has to get the job done and it's all up to him. Kidman says everyone needs to relax and he's going to show everyone why they say X-Pac sucks. I thought this was fine from um, Billy Kidman here, if a little annoying from Stephanie. What did you think of this uh, this short segment? Yeah, she was very annoying again. Yeah, uh, yeah they just... Uh, you, you touched on it earlier on. Vince looked absolute in his element, a pro at this. They clearly... <laughs> I don't know, I'm going to say there was maybe like the show that Stephanie is still learning, but you know, they've, they've been in enough promos to do this better. Yes. Um, yep. they, they, they didn't really know what to say. Yeah. Um, and yeah. she just looked like a cheerleader, really. Like, I, I just didn't, yeah, like, to be honest, I, you know, we obviously, as any, as any uh, competent co-host would do, make notes. Um, <laughs> I haven't even, um, I didn't even, like on this one, I put chain Stephanie promo and then I've just put N.A., no, yeah, yeah. Obviously, going back, I decided no, that's it's, not, it's not applicable to discuss. <laughs> Steph- yeah. Stephanie's an interesting one because Stephanie became um, quite a good, quite a good character uh, only in fairly recent years. I, I say recent, maybe five, five or so years, maybe five plus. Stephanie's become quite an accomplished television character. I don't think Shane's ever been any good, and I, I think no. that Sh- Shane gets this. Shane gets this love from people, and he always gets a big reaction when he's a baby face. And most of that's come from Shane McMahon taking insane looking bumps and doing things that normal wrestlers, throwing himself off the cell, normal yeah. wrestlers wouldn't be allowed to, being put in a match with the Undertaker at WrestleMania because of who Sonny is. And I, and I just I just think that Shane McMahon is nepotism at his absolute worst. And I hated, I remember Randy Orton going into the WrestleMania 25 match with Triple H was red hot. And they put him in a feud with, with Shane McMahon when Shane and him went 50-50 in matches and it killed Orton. And by the time WrestleMania 25 came around, the crowd, including me, was dead for his match with Triple H. It's just like, it's, they stunk out WrestleMania. Like, yeah. you, you know, it's like coming out. It's, imagine we'd been to see Fulham and it was like, it was the most boring nil-nil draw that you'd ever seen in your life. And it was yeah. so bad. You didn't so each week, care. every week. Yeah, every moment, week, yeah. Yeah. It was so bad, it was so bad. You weren't even annoyed. You were just, you're yeah. just dumbfounded. You're just like, I have no energy to talk about this crap yeah. that's just been served. And that's yeah, what well, that we, was, basically. Yeah, all jokes aside, we have had that, actually. And we've well, had we, that yeah, exact we conversation, have. haven't we? Yeah, we've had yeah, that. We but have. we've met off, we've gone for a drink after. And it's only actually you realise when you sort of get home maybe two or three beers later that you hadn't even talked about the football. No, no, exactly. That you just that, sat and watched for an hour and a half. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, that, and that was all that was like. And that was, that was showing my mum, but they just didn't see it. Um, so X-Pac, the WRF light heavyweight champion, comes out to some booze from the crowd, which is the first for anyone on the WRF side of things so far. Um, we then get Kidman with his original WCW theme, who is reigning WCW cruiserweight champion. And Ross explains the name differences for the same division between the companies. Um, there's some nice moments in this early with a great modified Hurricane Rana from Kidman and also a sliding bulldog type move to X-Pac on the outside, which looked great. Um, the crowd doesn't appear to be behind X-Pac at all, in spite of being more partisan for the WRF in early matches. Uh, he gets booze for his offense uh, and playing to the crowd. Kidman reversed an attempted powerbomb by X-Pac into an X-Factor for a near fall. Kidman then went up top and got hit with his own X-Factor and managed to kick out. The finish came shortly thereafter after Kidman countered the Bronco Buster with a foot to the balls and then hit a great shooting style press to win in 7-12. 
Um, I thought this was probably a little bit behind the opening tag match um, as the, the contest of the night so far, but decent action, um, uh, but, but no better than that. And the first win for WCW in the, on the pay-per-view portion of the card. What did you think of this match between Kidman and X-Pac? Yes, I'd heard of Kidman. Um, so I was actually sort of half interested. And actually what I'd heard of Kidman, I, I recall at the time, was that he was WCW's X-Pac, you know? Yes. Um, yes. So, uh, yeah. Uh, sort of. Hmm. Kidman was a funny one because he, he had a semi-feud with Hulk Hogan. He was quite popular in WCW, but he was a bit undersized and size was still a big thing around this time, as yeah. you saw from some of the bodies on this show. Yeah, yeah. No, exactly, exactly. I mean, whether I miss... I'm pretty confident I watched this, this pay-per-view, as I mentioned earlier, and maybe it was Channel 4. But one thing that I couldn't remember was... This change in X in X in X Pac X Pac. I don't yeah, yeah. Different way. So, so, so. Excuse me for just sort of going on about this a bit. But number one, I used to love when his theme hit, make some noise. That yeah. sort of opening line that weren't there. No, some sort of new theme with Prince Albert, who we'll come to <laughs> later on. I was like, what is going on? They're in some sort of tag team called the X Factor. Yeah, which is yeah, I didn't really get. Um, so, and I think I missed. I don't think I, I, I missed this him becoming a heel. I know yeah. he was never like fully over, but obviously when you're in DX, everyone loved you, right? So, I was pretty popular in their, their babyface one in 98 yeah. when he first came in. Yeah. But like for me, like one, two, three kid was one of my first ever favorite wrestlers. Oh really? Yeah. You probably won't have many people that would actually use that sentence, but for some reason, I think I just used to like, maybe because I think I watched him and thought he's my age. Have you ever seen the eight. match with him and Bret Hart for the, for the title? Yeah. yeah it's yeah. incredible. So I, used to, yeah. I, I, no, I loved him. Um, and, and then I liked DX in general. Right. So, hmm. um, so it's that. Another thing that sort of a bit surprised me about it, again, is they mentioned he's only 29. Hmm. He's only 29 there. Wow. Okay. He must have been around. Yeah. He's 40 now then, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, sorry. That's bad maths. No, bad maths. 29. Maths, and I agreed. 48. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, we both, <laughs> just for the listeners, we both work in finance. So. Yep. Oh, don't say that. That's yep. probably why the economy's like it is yeah. over here. Yeah. <laughs> um, they also mentioned cruiserweight feel like heavyweight, and they said it's the same type. Again, when I was going up, I thought they were both WCW belts. I, I don't recall the WWF having... What, what was the WWF ones? Light Heavyweight. Uh, light Heavyweight, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, how long was that around for? Um, so it, they first started having Light Heavyweight stuff in 97 uh, and had a tournament for the title, which a guy called Takamishinoku won. Um, and then it was... I, I don't think it... I don't think it had a break at all, but I could be wrong about that. Um, but it wasn't long for the world thereafter competed on any WrestleManias or anything? Uh, it was on WrestleMania oh, four, 14, um, I think. 14? Yeah. Okay. Um, so that was that. Uh, and then finally, just something to sort of, I want to mention, is I used to love the Bronco Buster because when I used to sort of play wrestling as a kid, it's sort of a finishing move you could do. Oh, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But then looking back at it now, I was like, oh, yeah, I just like to do it. And I was I looked at it and went, I must have been weird. Like, one well, of my parents <laughs> had walked in or something. What is he doing? Turns you into you're doing it on, I suppose, isn't it, really? Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> um, and, it did make me, and it did make me sort of think about um, moves, where, like, like we said this before, if, if that's your finisher, in your matches, someone will always end up crawling into the corner and sitting down. You never see that now. No, right? yeah. Because no one does the Bronco Buster, right? But then the only thing I could think of was... Um, your guest from a free few weeks back that does the stink face. 
Oh, and, uh, yes, yeah. Yeah, uh, Nadia. So I was wondering, like, you know, what what would you prefer, uh, a Bronco Buster or a Stink Face from... Uh, <laughs> this from, is a very neat. This is a very from, niche question from 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 X Pac. Let's say Bronco Buster or Stink Face. What are you what are you what are you taking on that? I'm going Bronco Buster because that's probably cleaner that end, whereas the other yeah, end is probably yeah. it's probably less clean. Yeah, I think I'll go for that. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, that's just a side. No, <laughs> good, good, a, a good question. Um, and it, you know, that's perhaps perhaps I'll have a think about that and change my mind uh, in terms of speaking next time. Um, going back to the lightweight title, so it was it was retired for a time where Gilberg, the kind of Goldberg knockoff character, had it between November the seventeenth, ninety eight, and February eighth, two thousand. So he, I don't think he was defending it during that time. So yeah, it was. What, what, what was classed as a light heavyweight? So light heavyweight was 215 pounds or lower, according to this article. 215, okay. Yeah. Though, um, yes, 200. Yeah, I was about to say something that was wrong there. I think I think the WCW is too... Uh, so the WWF, WWE uh, cruiserweight now is 205, allegedly. But no, none of that. No, it's all whatever, really. They they, yeah. they do that based on, on whatever they, they feel at the time. Okay, so we cut backstage to Stephanie, Shane, and Paul Heyman celebrating, and Dallas Page walks in and low fives each of them. He says, let me tell you something, bro. That Deborah is sweet, but she's no Sarah. Um, for anyone who's forgotten, and we touched on this earlier on, I perhaps pushed it out of their minds because it's too horrid of a memory. Um, Dumb Dallas Page, the multi-time WWE world champion and popular babyface, was introduced to WF playing a role of someone stalking The Undertaker's wife. Um, not much to this with DDP saying that he's in the Undertaker's head and also Austin's. So the next segment, we're actually going to reenact this word for word to give you a bit of a flavour of how the WF women were scripted in 2001. So I'll, I've sent you the, the details of this on chat. Right, yeah, yeah. So if you don't mind, I'll play the role of Tori. And Dan, if you could play the role of Stacey Key, but that would be great. Uh, so Dan, yeah. I'm, I've, I've, I've written, so Dan, I'm going to send you through the script, which I've already done. So up first, we don't have to put voices on, we can just say it as ourselves. So I believe Stacey had the first line here. She did. You ready, Tori? Stace, I was born ready. You know what? It's just too bad that the audience are going to have to settle to see Trish Stratus in her bra tonight. They're going to be missing out on these voluptuous big breasts. Stage directions in brackets, touch said voluptuous breasts. Uh, which I can confirm he's doing for the listeners. <laughs> uh, your breasts and my ass, my legs go from here all the way up to here. And no one looks better in panties than me, especially Lita. The only way I could look better if I was wearing none at all. But since the audience is going to see it, I think there might be two people we could give a private showing to. Maybe after the show, we could give a private showing to Matt and Jeff Hardy. You know they want us. Stage direction, slap Stacey's ass. Oh, Stace, you do have a firm ass. I know. <laughs> I mean, what was this? I, what was this? What was this? I mean, it's just, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's just crazy. You know what? I, oh, my God. The, the, the promo is just ridiculous. The bra and panties concept. Do you know what? At the time, I remember thinking, this is, this is silly, but... Mm. I didn't really think anything of it. You look back now and go, how did no one go? What are you yeah, doing? Yeah, What's I know, this? I know, I know. This is not acceptable behaviour. Yeah, I know. Right? Um, I, and yeah, just them um, sort of, I mean, they're talking about like Matt and Jeff then, but um, my, uh, so my WCW contact, Tony assured me that 
Is it uh, Tori Wilson was married to Billy Kidman? She was. I can't remember if they were married. They were certainly together at this point. Yeah, hundred percent, one hundred percent. Just like I don't know what's going on. I know. I, the, the thing about it is that okay, I understand. Okay, let's not let's not pretend that attractive looking men and attractive looking women aren't a thing in the entertainment world. Let's not pretend that that isn't a thing and that isn't you know what perhaps sometimes you know girls have their favourite girl actresses, boy actresses, whatever. So there's no prob- there's no problem with a bit of you know a bit of sex appeal in wrestling, whether that's male sex appeal or women's sex appeal, that's fine. But this is this is like not only was it terribly acted, but the dialogue is like. Are there any women, or were there any women in the world in 2001 speaking like these two? I think probably unlikely. And I just think they look like idiots. Just like, this is so, it's just so bad. And and this, having watched all of that Japanese women's wrestling and listened to and watched the WWE go on and on and on about the women's revolution and all that bullshit 20 years after this, it's like, Guys, there were Japanese women in the world five years before this, six years before this, seven years before this, ten years before this, who were the best wrestlers in the world, who were drawing big houses, selling out the Tokyo Dome. But you taught you ever? Yeah, I mean, it's just whatever. It is. What I mean, it is. just uh, just a caveat there. For all you know, unless you're, I don't know how good your Japanese is, but they may have been saying this. <laughs> that is so. Fair. I mean, you have jumped to a huge conclusion there. Well, I did do eight hours of Jap- Jap- uh, Japanese yeah. before my but first you, trip. But there. did you? But did you learn you have such a firm ass? Uh, that, that was not. That was not uh, in the first. Until you know what that yeah. means, <laughs> I should have perhaps. I'll, perhaps I'll email my tutor and, and just to, just to make sure that wasn't the case. <laughs> so uh, next up, we have Raven representing ECW, who will be going against William Regal. Uh, Regal is so great in his entrance music. His entrance, smiling and waving to the crowd, a few of which are waving, clapping back. Um, Raven is wearing the old ECFNW t-shirt with the grey lesson barbed wire that I owned many, many moons ago, but I have no idea if it still exists. Maybe at my mother's house, I don't know. Um, Ross says on commentary that many of the ECW guys have been drinking Hamer's Kool-Aid for years. Um, Regal is in really good shape here, which again, a running theme for this show. Uh, Jim Ross, thanks fans staying up late in the UK on Channel 4, and that always used to fill me with a little bit of pride. Did you, did you spot that? Yeah, where, yeah, yeah I just yeah. put a shout out to Channel 4. Love that. Yeah, absolutely. It's like that. That made it worthwhile. Did you? Were you? Did you, did you used to get? Because I remember you used to watch this quite a lot of uni, didn't you? When you were, were you? Did you watch quite a lot? Yeah. So did you used to have like pay per view parties and stuff where people used to come around and yeah. watch it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 So actually, that's how I sort of sort of kick started watching it again for a while because sort of the guys I sort of made friends with they liked it. So mm. um, it was a lot easier then. So we'd have yeah, literally every pay per view really. Oh really? That's really great. Yeah, yeah that's great. Yeah. So, what sort of time? What would that sort of would that be mid mid to late two thousands? You, you need? Uh, yeah, two thousand and five to two thousand and eight. Okay, so that's not a bad. So, some decent stuff in it there. Like seen it, it wasn't bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you had like the uh, Royal Rumble sort of sweepstakes and all different things. You know, betting on it and. Yeah, the Rumble. I used to, I used to do quite a lot of my par- quite a lot of these at my parents' house. I remember the Rumble always used to get quite a big crowd. But my my things were always notorious for like I'd just do a ridiculous selection of food and like people would have drinks and stuff, and everyone would just have chronic indigestion for about four days afterwards because it'd be like a mixture of like weird prawn things, like loads of sandwiches and like loads of ice cream at four in the morning, which is not good. That's yeah, the thing. Or, people or in America, you eat too much and yeah, you eat and too you, much, and uh, by the time the show starts, it's like ah. Yeah, I feel like I'm going to die now. The people in people in America don't know how good they've got it for these pay per views. The amount of suffering I've gone through over the years to watch some of these shows live, I, just, I haven't got the minerals anymore. I said to you, I tried to stay up for the first 
night of fighter fest and i just couldn't do it like, I, yeah. I just fell asleep i've done it a couple of times as you know but yeah it's generally more because i might have happened to have had a beer or whatever or got in late and just gone oh just yeah might as well stay up you get an hour half an hour in and you realize bang you can't concentrate no and it ruins the next day that's the problem i I I haven't stayed up for ufc too much but the ufc 3 a.m till 6 a.m is just brutal it's basically impossible okay so um the crowd are not into this one at all and it isn't really clicking and cole says in commentary that ecw used to be about bs and bravado and i presume he's being fed lines from vincent martin here uh, there's a light, boring chant in the background as Regal hits a suplex for a two count. Um, they try some chain wrestling for some near falls, but slightly off here. Um, the light, boring chant start again um, as these two are really in a total death spot here, heel versus heel. Um, Raven is knocked out of the ring and the ref uncharacteristically goes to check on him. And while the ref uh, is turned away, Taz runs out, hits a suplex on Regal and retreats. Raven then gets back in there, hits a DDT for the win in 6.32. Um, this didn't work at all for me at all. Uh, what did you think of this one? I completely agree. Um, yeah, look, Regal is not someone I ever was really... I liked his promo earlier. Mm. Um, he was never a wrestler I sort of found entertaining. He certainly didn't make me proud to be British, um, <laughs> actually. In fact, I probably why I didn't like him, um, just on the base I thought, that's what people think. Brits are like <laughs> no um, but uh, um, you know what given Raven was in the match I was sort of a little bit disappointed when a hardcore match oh yeah um, okay yep ECW yep. Well, we're getting one later I suppose aren't we yeah, so that's yeah probably the ECW more, yeah. come down represented yeah my view is okay this is an ECW so make the rules extreme or do do something, right? So as if they, even if they just added any, just anything would have livened that up. Just a normal wrestling match with two okay wrestlers, right? They needed a gimmick in there. Yeah. Whereas, yeah. as we'll come on to later, that hardcore match was a, with two wrestlers. Yes. And it didn't actually need the hardcore element, which we'll come to. But this one did need that. Quite often, I always used to find with that hardcore. But if you think of all the people that sort of won it lots, the reason that they won that is because they were okay wrestlers, but they could take pain or they could sell yeah. a chair short or they could sell this. There's and a reason why. made it more interesting. That that, that element of yeah. it back then, where it wasn't so overdone, made it more interesting for their match, basically. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, and ECW was a brand based on this. Yes. The yeah. whole brand based on it. The fighter comes out and he just has a normal match. Yeah. I, I just think that could have helped a lot more. Um, uh, look, I, like, I don't mind an interference, but this one was just... Just, uh, yeah, why did the ref... It doesn't make sense to ref getting out on the outside. There was yeah, literally yeah. no reason for the ref yeah. to have gone outside. It no. happens. It happens four, five, six times in every match. Yeah. And he goes out. So it didn't... That went well. The Raven effect is a DDT. You know, just... It's just... Like, just things like that annoy me a lot. Because yeah. it's... <laughs> It's not even like a fancy DDT. It's just a DDT. Yeah. It's not, yeah. Uh, I don't know, he like hooks something differently or he, or it comes off the top rope or... The double arm one like Moxley and... Yeah, Foley did yes, that then, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It, so, look, it might not be their fault, but, you know, certainly Raven, I knew him from being extreme, should we say. Yeah. And there was no extreme involved. Um, no. So, yeah, just really flat, actually. And to be honest, up until that point, I was sort of feeling it. And then that actually made me sort of go, oh, God, who's next? Oh, you know, do you know what, know, Dan? It brought, it brought yeah, me my, really down. Like, oh. Yeah, my next note actually is I didn't remember too much about the undercard for this show, but to this point, that 
was the first hour and it has been pretty bad. I mean, the thing yeah. is that that first tag match was de- it was a decent open and the crowd were into it. But actually, you you bring out the names and the stuff, and it's just it's just it feels thrown together, and there doesn't seem to be doesn't feel like there's that much star power in this. Um, we head backstage to the Undertaker, Sarah, and Kane, and in walks Vincent Mann, and he says, "All right, guys, we've lost two in a row. We can't afford to lose another one, much less the inaugural brawl." He reminds Kane of the beatdown he got at the hands of the Alliance, and then reminds Take of the stalking of Sarah the videotape and the best of Sarah, which prompts Mark, as his then wife calls him, to grab Vince by the throat and, he's, and say that tonight they're going to see the best of The Undertaker. And I thought Vince was brilliant again here, like just sort of saying to Undertaker all these things that had been done to his wife. Uh, after uh, he collects himself, Vince smiles at this, almost appearing somewhat turned on. I thought this was just brilliant. Again, bit classic Vince. What did you think of this? Yeah, I mean, again, it's another little bit of like they've added a personal angle yeah again bringing in the family now whether that's right or wrong I mean I I did he's made it personal um I mean would they run a storyline now of someone's wife being kidnapped I mean it's no I don't know they could do that now Uh, I mean I mean don't know Uh, yeah I mean for me this it reminded me of the kidnapping reminded me of there's a storyline that happened growing up that I sweat like just haunted me or not haunted me. I, I'll never forget the one where Undertaker sort of kidnapped Stephanie and married Oh, her. yes, yes, yeah. And I tried to marry there, Steve Austin came yeah, out, didn't he? Yeah, that yeah. has literally stuck with me yeah. for so long. I used to think things like, you know, like, oh, you could... Because they went to Vegas, I think. That was... Uh, so So that was Triple H and Stephanie got married in Vegas. That was after this. Uh, sorry, after the after the Undertaker thing. Yeah, so was, was there yeah. one where she's in us is knocked out? That was Triple H and Stephanie. Yeah. yeah, and I was like, just all these different things. And I'm like... I always remember thinking, God, is that like... In Vegas, you could go there and like just end up married. Do, do you know like, what? You should, know. you should watch that again because that, that angle... Triple H is unintentionally so hilarious that he almost turned himself babyface with that stuff. Uh, I mean, it's probably a bit different now because obviously he's sitting in a, you know, he's sitting in a car with Stephanie and she, but then in the end, she's not past that because the the angle is that she knew about it. If that makes sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, but actually he is unbelievable in that with like the like the puppetry and the voice stuff, I would recommend watching that again. But yeah, he's, yeah, might, he's but, might but not the, give me nightmares now, man. No, but the right Undertaker one, I agree with you because I was fifth. Yeah, uh, what was that ninety nine? I would have been, uh, so I was seventeen in ninety eight. So I would have been seventeen, and I remember thinking um, I was. Uh, you, you, we were like, like twelve or thirteen or something. Twelve, thirteen, yeah. Yeah, I, I remember when Austin came out. I, I like I like popped. I came out of my chair because I was like, yeah. I don't know, like it was something. Obviously, I knew it was, it was real. definitely real. Yeah, I know, but it's just like it, it wasn't real, but it just got you. And I think that, but then, but then sometimes, like I remember watching like Breaking Bad or something when um, you have you seen Breaking Bad? Because I want to give a spoiler. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So there's a bit. There's one of the episodes where I think that um, uh, what's his name Heisenberg runs over someone and saves Jesse at the end of the episode. I think. Yeah. Remember that one? And I remember yeah. I was watching that with Charlotte, and I literally we both like leapt up and like. It's not real, but you're in it. And that, I think yeah, that's yeah. it. So that's when wrestling's at its best. Like, you, you can suspend your disbelief and you're in it and you want Steve Austin to go and save Stephanie. I remember they did that. And Stephanie, was it was a very controversial angle. She was always on a, basically like a crucifix, but it wasn't. Yes. yes um, because, yeah. Right. And then she hugged him afterwards. And I remember Austin like wouldn't hug her. He like kept his arms out. And I just thought that's such a nice touch. Like the, the, the Austin character was so well looked after. And it's almost like after that, Cena 
had his moments, but he had a lot, there was a lot wrong with the scene of character, but he is an all-time legend. But Roman Reigns, it didn't protect his character. So it's like, we've forgotten how to push a baby face. Would, all you need to do is, what would Steve, what would Steve Austin do? What would Steve Austin mm. do in this situation? And whatever the answer is, make your top baby face do that. And that's, all, that, you need yeah. to, that's all you need to do. So we've got off, we've got off track here. Well, we're talking about... Yeah. Um, uh, kidnapping, yeah. kidnapping, kidnapping, women, yeah. yes, kidnapping women. Yeah, let's get back to it. Yeah, let's get back to it. So, just when you thought the pay per view couldn't get any worse, the opening sounds of the big show's entrance music come out, and, and that, this actually made me say, "Oh God!" out loud. Uh, and then out next is his tag team partner, the one Billy Gunn. And Cole says they are both underappreciated in the WWF, and Gunn has been motivating the big show. And their third tag team partner is the reigning World Wrestling Federation Intercontinental Champion. Albert, Prince Albert, and I would have never have remembered that this guy ever held the Intercontinental title. I find that unbelievable. I mean, did you? Did you, did you, did you I, I, I that honestly, this is this is. I have literally written on here. Albert would never have been an Intercontinental Intercontinental Champion in my time. Yeah, <laughs> I can't. I, I can't like, believe it. What is again? It goes back to what I said earlier on about the expo. I must have just not have maybe watched the the weekly shows for a bit because that. Nah, I mean, again, he's come out to this X Factor music. Yeah. He's teamed out with X Factor and he's an intercontinental champion. What? Like I mean, he's, ditched, he's ditched the Prince bit, which, which going back to what we said before, just to put it out there, I, I certainly I didn't have an innocent childhood, but I had, li- when he was Prince Albert, I was like, no, it's Prince Albert, whatever. Obviously, then later on going, oh, that's, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> uh, I always remember thinking, again, I was just always mean he's using his name, not that often, because I didn't really like him. He must have been like, oh, this kid doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just didn't. I, I mean, you got as you, you said it there. They were the underused or underrated stars. Yeah. Um, I mean, Big Show. I don't recall this because I've been watching it. But again, going back to my, my friend Tony, he says it actually when he was in WCW was quite good. Who's in that? Opinion, Big Show. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, he was quite um, dominant in 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 WCW. Maybe he was sort of said, and then they killed him. W. They killed him with bad booking in WWF. Really, because oh yeah, and also he he uh, he in WCW was decent. And, yeah. Um, but he, he he was out of shape in a lot of, for a lot of the time in WWF, so he wasn't able to move around the ring much. And though um, though uh, work rate wasn't. Work work was important around this time because you're getting good main events with Triple H, his pomp the year before this. Steve Austin's obviously great. The Rock, very underrated in the ring. So Big Show didn't really cut the mustard. And they turned him. Yeah. If, you, if you Google Big Show's turns, he's turned more times than anyone imaginable. Yeah. He was kind of dead by this point, really. Yeah, I mean, I had that. And then, again, another musical change, Billy Gunn's music changing. Yeah, I, I don't remember that. I want, yeah. yeah, I don't remember that. And also, just to sorry, well, maybe go on the under underused underrated stars for those that watch AEW Billy Gunn looks better now yeah yeah Giza is absolutely like I don't know again he must probably he's probably 40 50 years he looks brilliant now yeah. it looks better now I think than he did then he's got but his again, testosterone exemption I think you the... watch these three wrestlers come out as yeah. a WWF fan and they're like oh why, why is this match on yeah exactly these three yeah and and, and I was a bit like, I guess my view of it was the reason that this was air, this was on was a whole, maybe you've got the main event with the main stars and they wanted to do sort of a, 
as, again, like that's why I think that's why it's deliberately said these are the underused, underrated stars to try and maybe sell it that way. Yeah, do you know what? That's a really good point. So a lot of it. So when you're thinking about the the, the weakness of the undercard of this show, you've got the five top guys in the WF on in the main event on their team. Yeah, and realistically, you've got the number one WCW, got number one and number two uh, Booker T and um, DDP. The only one that wasn't in the main event that was in an undercard match was Rob Van Dam. He would have fit straight into that. Um, yeah, that, that's the thing. Like, um, so after these three for WF come out, you get Mr. Perfect's old theme, but um, it's not Kurt Hennig. It's Sean Stasiak, Hugh Morris, and Chris Canyon. Um, and I can't say I was super excited about this one when everyone had made their entrances. Um, the WCW wrestlers are met with a triple press slam start proceedings, and Ross reminds us that Sean's father, Stan, was once the Worldwide Wrestling Federation champion. Um, the finish is just dreadful here. Um, Stasiak did a reverse DDT onto Gunn and then fell onto him at the same time as Morris. Um, and then what felt like a month passed by before Stasiak got out of there. Uh, I think he realised he wasn't making the pin and, Ro- and Morris got the three in 4.23. And the big show then attacked everyone after the match. I just thought it was just dross. Um, and what, do you, what do you think of this? And not to lead you with my, my thoughts. What do you, you think about yeah. this match? Yeah. Your, your opinion has not changed the view I had. Um, <laughs> The three, uh, the WCW team, I hadn't heard of any of them. Mm. Um, obviously, this might be coming a common thing. Um, I understand, again, from my WCW guru, that um, I think these were the natural-born thrillers. Okay, I'll take his word for that, yeah. And, I have heard that name, yeah. Yes, and having looked into that, so the theme, actually, in fact, I played it to him a couple of times, and so did you say it's whose theme? Did you say Mr. Perfect's theme? Yes, yeah. Okay, Um is it, interestingly, I don't know what the maybe the copyright or etc. But they don't mention that they're natural born thrillers in on the show. Okay. But on the network, when you're on the network and you load up Invasion and you can pick a match you watch, it says natural born thrillers versus. Oh, how interesting! So, so I guess they just it, yeah. they used it after. Yeah, they, I think that would have, they would have owned the copyright. Um, I guess they probably just didn't want, didn't like the name. But then someone else has gone back and who probably knows because yeah. they've they've done what it will be is it will be uh, some. I was going to say geek. That is very unfair, <laughs> but it's probably some guy who knows about wrestling and will have. Will, it's, it's literally someone's job to organise that network and organise all the stuff. So they've yeah. seen him in WCW, called him that. And then taking it forward. Yeah, and, and obviously, I guess you've got the search bar there, so maybe people yeah. might search natural born phrases. Which is much better on the network now than it used to be, actually. Yeah, uh, so yeah. Tony was telling me that was sort of like a faction. Yeah. Um, so there. Um, yes, I mean, it wasn't a great match. Big Show clears up at the end, having not really been in the match. Yeah. I am now going to make a comment about Prince Albert and, and, and what Albert um, from the other way. I used to. Going back to Ravens finisher earlier, yeah, DDT, which I thought was rubbish, like as in for a finisher. Albert's finisher choke slam into like a power bomb. I used mm. to think was brilliant. Yeah, okay. I yeah. used to think I used to watch that choke slam. Everyone loves a choke slam, a sort of power bomb sort of slam that everyone loves. That he combined the two. I used to think, why does no one? Why does he do that one? Yeah, I wish someone else did that because I I used I thought that finisher was I used to love that one. And um, it was just disappointing uh, that it got uh, attached to him. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I would say that because he did. I think he did. He did use the finisher during during the match. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was 
Look, put it this way, as we just said, that match was for the, uh, as I said, the underrated, underrated, underused stars. Uh, I think the match showed why. Yes. They are yeah. underused. Certainly didn't show why they're underrated. No. Um, and maybe, I don't think that's, that's helped them, but I can see why they were underused. Absolutely. So we then cut to, oh, hold on, I missed a bit here. So for anyone keeping up, that's three matches all on the scoreboard for the night until Shane McMahon informed us that actually on Sunday Night Heat, Chavo Guerrero beat Scotty Too Hotty. Um, he's backstage with Booker T uh, and T is the US and WCW world champion. And he says that he owns Steve Austin and that he is a superior athlete and all of the suckers are going to see it tonight. Um, they G each other up a bit and that's it. Shane is quite annoying here, I thought. Yeah, I, I mean, he he mentions that, yeah, all of a sudden, oh, they're 4-3-0 due to Chavo winning on Yeah, heat. Chavo grow. Yeah, I know, so it's I, ridiculous. Oh, I mean, you know, oh, there's me laughing about the, the Heat squad earlier on. Turns out they, they earned a valuable point. Um, they, they didn't mention this throughout the pay-per-view, did they, before this? No, no. I mean, I... So, look, let's, let's be honest. I don't, yeah, spoiler alert for everyone, but I think we all knew that it was probably going to be even going into the last match, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, and so that made me think before this, I thought, right, well, it's going to be a maybe a, a like a null and void match or or something because it's a, was it a 10-match card? So I was like, all right, it's obviously going to be something. Um, now, obviously, this is the, the leveler. Um, I mean, I, I it, it reminded me of, um, so I went on Wikipedia after uh, just to sort of have a little look. I like to sort of see like the aftermath Mm. Uh, that some events have they don't all have uh, but from obviously when I've done my Wrestlemania uh, sort of watching them all through um, I that's the f- sort of I noticed like the under the sort of the pre, pre-show pre yes uh, yeah. was quite common I think in, in Wrestlemania yeah uh, I was and, and they they used to sort of show you during Wrestlemania like how this happened oh earlier, yes or, they did absolutely yeah, yeah. They, they didn't, didn't even show, show this no. they didn't even show it um no. And yeah, they just all of a sudden it's like, oh yes, it's full free. Oh, is it? Great. Yeah, okay, brilliant. Oh, it was really cool. Um, and whether you were meant to have seen he, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, maybe. I, I know that. Um, so for AEW, they do like the buy-in. Yes, I think it's yep. all out and stuff, and they make it quite clear pre-event that the buy-in is going to have some matches just for the buy-in, usually yeah. one, maybe two. Um, clearly on this, they've just ran a normal heat. Uh, you know, you'd think that they might have said, well, unless they did, I don't know. No, maybe I they think they would say, So uh, I think the heat would have been from the arena live on, 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 the, on the, yeah. the pay-per-view thing, but... Maybe they wanted, it got you to watch it because maybe, you know, maybe at the time... But they should have said, shouldn't they? They should yeah. have said. Yeah, I, I, I think this is... They should have said right at the start of the pay-per-view... Uh, earlier tonight, the first WF WCW mm. match mm. was this. This was the result. So WCW won the lot. And that's it. I mean, yeah, because because actually, it's the first time they mentioned the score. Yeah. And straight away, you're going, what? Yeah, so exactly. A, a bit strange. And do you know what, actually? A bit out of the amount of events we've all seen, a bit out of context with. They don't normally do this, this sort of stuff like no. me, so shady. So maybe it was just a bit of a. Maybe if something went wrong, maybe they should have mentioned it, or and it didn't. Someone uh, didn't. But perhaps, yeah, that, that's quite, maybe, quite possible. Maybe yeah. they said to Tori, "We need you to say that there was a match earlier," and she was like, "Or oh, could do, but I could also mention about getting my kit off." Yeah, so, exactly. You know, she may have chose. She chose something different. 
and see where uh, yeah her script said voluptuous breasts <laughs> but not not the, score, not the scoreboard don't yeah. mention the scoreboard yeah. so uh, next up we cut to Tajiri in Regal's office and Regal tells him to stay loyal to the WWF and tells him to pull apart that foul miserable toe rag little gobshite Taz um, and you can do it for me Miss McMahon and most of all for the WWF I know you can do it it's a bloody go and do it but again, this is great from Regal. What do you think of it? I love the fact that Regal slips in these like English words, yes. like gobshite I, and stuff in here. Yeah, so I've got that. You know, he's deliberately puts in a yeah, like a, an English thing. Or maybe like, all of a sudden, I'm sort of a little proud of him for a second. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, I just we're going to get on to obviously to Jerry's fighting. This guy, like I. Do you know what? Thank God for a promo. It, I was just always view this guy as a joke act. Oh, really? Uh, How interesting. I really yeah. liked it, Jerry. Yeah. And this okay. is this is why I actually was one of the points I've got here. I, I, some, I was speaking to someone that maybe, you know, watch wrestling from all around the world and stuff. Hmm. Whenever I saw this Jerry, again, he would have been a certainly a heat wrestler. Nothing really, maybe a bit of a like Funaki style. Hmm. that's all we've got someone in for a, we've got an Asian wrestler um, let's just throw him in these matches let's try and a bit like do you know what going back to the guy any listeners uh, you know you know that we support Fulham and stuff but we signed a player called Janichi Inamoto oh we're going to score Inamoto yeah. yeah yeah now don't be wrong decent player at the time not a bad signing yep but he sold something like he literally paid for himself in the amount of season tickets that he sold to uh, Asian... Japanese uh, fans in London, Japanese basically, wasn't fans, it? Yeah, 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 London. Yeah, yeah. Or people that looked at the season ticket and went, okay, so season ticket for them is like £300. Yeah. I'm going to go once a year, but I'll buy a season ticket. Yeah. You know. To see Fulham versus Man United with Inamoto playing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know when you're like, actually, he was not a bad player in the end, but you know when you sort of quite clearly were like, you're, you're, you're here partly because of your ability, but the other part for your commercial... Silly Billy, yeah. which when you're when you're a club like say Fulham, I mean, it's, we're never going to have a a, a a player like that that's going to sort of sell himself. Yeah, and this and 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 Tajiri was sort of like I just think like an equivalent of that. Yeah, I think I think Tajiri was the problem with the. the I think I, I do what, and I can't say that I watched a huge amount of the ECW stuff. I, I've seen most of the ECW pay per views, but we didn't get the weekly uh, either the TNN show or the syndicated stuff here. The syndicated stuff we got much later on Bravo, um, but it's all well out of date. So can't say that I saw Tajiri's prime, but I know that he was pushed more seriously. Um, and I think what tends to happen with a lot of these characters is. They were pushed in sort of, st- sort of stereotypical ways um, with the mist and that sort of thing. But I thought Tajiri was 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 was, was pretty good in ring actually. But again, he um, he pro- probably never really got quite the uh, you know quite the push or anything that that maybe some of his abilities could could actually sort of get him to. I don't think he was he left the WWE. I think soon after Eddie Guerrero's death, I believe, because he was just like I. You know, I've had enough. Like this is this is an awful thing, and I think he was quite badly affected by that. Um, okay. But ne- the next match is 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 Taz and Tajiri. So Taz is out to his WF theme, which I actually thought was pretty decent. What did you think of this Taz theme tune? Yeah, I used to like this one. Yeah, I, 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 thought it was I, I was good. never a massive fan of Taz. Um, I, I appreciate the sort of. Do you know he was one of the maybe the um, one of the sort of first wrestlers that come into WWF and. 
I've touched on this before. It's a bit like in AEW at the moment. They they're, now they're a new brand, but they'll sign a wrestler, and you're sort of expected to know their background, yeah, and that they're good at this or they're good at that. And I always remember Taz was like that for me. He come in, and I literally was like, "Who's this little fella?" You know, run like seems to run around a lot or whatever. But actually, he's being taught like, "Oh, this guy's been about. He knows what he's doing." And yeah. and and I was just sort of had to sort of led to believe it. And I actually sort of ended up quite liking him. Mm. Um, and actually, I think um, again in AEW, he clearly knows his stuff about wrestling. Yes. He he does the commentary I think on Dark, uh, which I don't really watch that, but it, every time I've listened to him, he speaks fairly well. He's now he's clearly very well. I like, mean, you know, he's getting involved in it now. He's become a manager in it. Um, I mean, again, today it's weird that Taz is in this because today I've been reading up about this um, belt he made for himself. Oh yes, yeah. yeah. Um, and I was just reading the history of it, um, which in essence is it's him and Sabu were the only yep. two champions, and it was just brought in purely. Because of injuries and you know shouldn't be penalized if the champion's injured for ages there should be a belt so he just gave himself one um but yeah i like and his theme's good like it, do you know what? it suits his character yeah yeah um yeah and and you know another thing i was actually thinking about uh was with the belt that the, the orange um you know like orange is quite if you think about orange in wrestling i'll tell you what taz has done well he's never sort of a top you know, a headliner. But if I said to you, if I, if you think about wrestling and orange, hmm. you think of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's like, and I know that sounds prophetic, but that's the sort of different thing that. No, I think that's interesting. Trying to make themselves sound like yeah. something about them. And actually that's the thing we think of. He chose a color and it made it sick. The, th- the thing with Taz is that Taz is uh, in a long line of, cr- of people that were created outside of WF that didn't really didn't really work in the WF. Now, Taz is, is a fairly short guy, stocky guy, and he was pushed as an absolute sort of ultimate fighting style killer in ECW. And he was their champion and did very well for them in that, in that time. Um, came to WF under much fanfare, beat, Ang- beat Angle at that Royal Rumble 2000 in his debut to a massive reaction at Madison Square Garden. But I remember not all that long after that he got injured because I remember I bought a Taz shirt and I wore that to the Earl's Court Insurrection show in May 2000. He was injured. He wasn't on the show. And I don't think he was ever quite... I can't remember what injury he got then, but he was never quite the same when he came back. Um, and actually, here, he's got the tracksuit look on. Uh, he's a bit slow. He's a bit older. I think he, he, you know, he'd done the hard style in ECW for a number of years. And I think he was he was towards the end here. Um, and they talk about in this match, they say that Taz has turned his back on a promising broadcasting career um, to go with Heyman and fight for ECW because he's already, at this point was broadcasting SmackDown um, prior to this yeah. because after Jerry Lawler left the WF in February of 2001, um, Heyman was on Raw and, uh, and Taz was on SmackDown. I was a bit gutted, actually, that Heyman wasn't on commentary for this because he, he was a really good partner of Jim Ross, but obviously we've got Cole and, Cole and Ross, which is a bit of an unusual yeah. pairing here. Um, I mean, Taz, Taz is clearly bringing... Um, okay, I don't mean to harp on about AW, but it's people I watch. So he's bringing Cage sort of through in a very similar angle to himself Hmm. in regards to he's bringing through a sort of in essence a human wrecking ball 
And of course, um, yeah, of course, obviously, uh, last night, um, Cage won the AEW world title, didn't he? So um, that's uh, <laughs> hashtag spoiler yeah. alert for anyone that hasn't seen it. Um, so, yeah. You can, edit, you can edit that out when you don't. No, uh, yeah, no, yeah. He, I don't think he'll be winning anything next week. Um, so they go at it right from the bell. Taz obviously is in his tracksuit. Um, uh, Tajiri hit a great springboard back elbow to get briefly on top before Taz cut him off again. Um, big big spot of the match comes just before um, five minutes when Tajiri caught Taz in the tarantula, which is a modified Boston Crab over the top rope. Um, he get, then got a very close near fall after a boot to the face before Taz caught, caught the kick and hit another good-looking suplex. Tajiri then hit the green miss and followed with a kick to the face for the win in 5.44. Um, this was fine again, but a bit too short um, to be anything more than that. What did you think of this? Yeah, so uh, am I just going right? Sometimes I make these notes, I can't read them. Tajiri got tied up in a rope submission. No, Tajiri caught Taz in the rope submission. In the rope submission, yeah. right, fine. Um, so I thought that was quite unique. The one the thing that stood out for me here is the red mist that they called it. It was green, but that's yeah. not the point I'm trying to make here. Um, he, he, he obviously, he, he used the mist, um, finished the match, right? Um so number one for me, so Tajiri wins, right? So number one for yeah. me, it's like, oh, wow, this guy's won. Brilliant. But I just want to admire this guy that I opened up with sort of having a dig at, right? I rewound and saw that he went under the ring at 19, what have I got here? He went under the ring. Uh, I don't know why I've got 1930 here, but um, I don't know whether that was maybe just what was up, maybe what was on my clock or something like that oh okay yeah silly silly boy i was probably watching half past seven at night (laughs) he went under the ring and a minute later he spat that out right yeah in that time he was in an upside down submission and it and suffered a suplex yeah right i know it's something to do wrestling but well done that is (laughs) he held that in his mouth the whole time and actually when i rewound and watched you can see he's got it in there that was quite That's a talent, like, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, really? You can see, you can see it in his cheeks and stuff. It's certain certain times. Yeah, ah, I did pretty well. I mean, listen, listen. I've rewound and tried to look out for it, right? So I wanted to see <laughs> where he where he got it. I was like, where's yeah. he done that? But I tell you what, a full minute he held out his mouth. Fair play to it. That is that is and exceptional. Then he, and then even after having all that happen, to still be able to, it's still a thing for me as well. Like be able to make sure. It, you get the person at the right angle. It could, yeah. So many things could go wrong. Yep. Uh, we've all seen. What if you cough? We've all seen. We've all seen people yeah. spit and spit, and it goes. Oh, it's ended up on your sleeve or something. <laughs> God, you know what I mean? So you know what? Well, I'm, well it's fair play. I'll take like, everything I said earlier. A Guinness Book <laughs> World Records uh, to Jerry for holding mist in his mouth. Fantastic. Uh, so we cut <laughs> backstage. Tim and the Hardy Boys. Jeff asks Matt if he thinks Trish and Lita are going to be ready. Uh, and Matt warns him that he should be focused on RVD because he's real good. Um, this is his environment and what he thrives on. And Jeff needs to get out there and finish it real quick. Van Dam then attacks Matt with a, with a chair and tells Jeff, you're next, as Jeff yells, damn it. And I thought he yelled, damn it, more akin to a date cancelling on him by text message rather than his brother being bashed with a steel chair. Yeah, bash, yeah. What do you think with it on this? I mean, look, I, I sh- it's a promo, I guess, in my opinion, to get Matt out of the... Yes, yeah. Out of the match. Um, yeah, so I've really just sort of got... That That, that was that was the bill end of... Look, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know, but we're talking about a guy that I have seen jump off of things, flip, go through tables, do this, that, and the other. 
this chair shot kept him out coming down to the ring, right? <laughs> when you yeah. think about it, in an Oscar's way, you need to do a bit more than that to the Hardys to stop them being able yeah, to yeah. accompany uh, his brother to the ring, right? I've seen that guy do all sorts and win matches. Um, <laughs> so uh, very, uh, you know, that's just a side comment, but yeah, you know, it's just a little promo. I thought it was quite good. And to be honest, as we'll come on to, well, I don't know what your opinion is, but I, I think it was great that this match was just one-on-one. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Okay. I completely agree. Uh, we then go to a segment at WWF New York where a fan has the gall to approach Hardcore Holly, Hardcore Holly for an autograph with a WCW t-shirt on. Holly reminds him where he is, tears the t-shirt off of him, leaving him topless, and sends him on his way, but not before calling him a little bastard. What do you think of this? <laughs> I just... Okay. <laughs> I was like, well, obviously brought... Vince is obviously trying to sell WWE New York because he's. It sounds like he's losing a he's losing a pound a minute on it. Um, <laughs> I mean, I guess I, I don't know. I mean, it, it, come to WWF New York, but you have your t-shirt ripped off. I have to go back on the tube in, in on the subway in New York, topless, and you have yeah. alcoholic calling you a little bastard and have a cold uh, burger and crap chips. If, if you think for a second that after you're top off, they've gone, oh, come here, uh, here's the gift shop, pick anything you like. You will pay for it, but you know, here you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They saw that as a sales opportunity. Yeah. Absolutely. So business at long last is surely going to pick up now. We have Mr. Pay-Per-View, Rob Van Dam versus Jeff Hardy for the WF Hardcore title. No holes barred and falls count anywhere. Um, there's a big RVD chant at the start as the two go back and forth with reversals. Um, Cole says that Van Dam's style has been compared to the carrots in the Matrix and the way he flows through the air. Ross describes Hardy as the most eligible bachelor in the WF, which I thought was a slight moniker they used at the time. Uh, a slightly odd moniker. They, they did say this. It wasn't the only time. Uh, what did you think of this most eligible well, it, bachelor yeah I don't know it, do you know what it, 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 uh, flashbacks to uh, the super day of the super day yes I mean uh, I don't think single Hardy... ladies only in this one bachelor oh, is God, a bachelor yeah. 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 Hey, you must be 18 and I'm married I mean I don't think Jeff Hardy's a bad looking man but he's quite niche isn't he do you think uh, right I'll take you back to earlier on's conversation between Tori and Stacey oh yes yep uh, where they both like him, and yeah, you know, that is true. I going can't off of which their, one... going off of their, going off of their opinions, I I can only assume that they were hot property. Yeah, fair enough. I've just got the whole like rock star thing going on, hasn't it? I think two thousand and one long hair was 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 in. Yeah, yeah, kind uh, of cargo pants, all that sort I think of thing that was going a on look then. So yeah. I think you've got to be, you've yeah, got to fair remember enough. the time. Sorry, if you're listening, Jeff, I'm sorry for thinking that you weren't an eligible bachelor and that you're niche. You're conventionally good looking. Um, yeah. Van Damme caught Hardy trying his running along the guard round move and they took an awkward looking spill to the floor. Um, out in the crowd, RVD hit a moonsault off the rail, separating the 100 level from the floor onto Hardy as a fan nearby had a sign saying, I paid to see RVD. They make it back to ringside and RVD hit a spinning leg drop to Hardy's back as he was draped over the guard rail. Um, again, the crowd chants RVD, RVD, which brings a smile to Van Damme's face. Um, I thought this was this was really good stuff. Uh, really, really, really strong match between these two. Um, eventually, they, they fight up to the to the ring uh, to, to the aisle way, um, and Hardy tries to hit Van Dam with a chair, but um, RVD reverses it with a Van Daminator, um, and Hardy falls off the aisle way and lands in the triangle section between the entryways with both promotions. Um, back in the ring, Van Dam lands punches to a split open head of Hardy and follows up with a drop kick on the chair to which to Hardy, which Ross incorrectly calls a Van Daminator. Hardy gets his knees up for the split-legged moonsault and follows up with a great DDT for a near, near fall. Hardy makes his way to the top rope for the swanton, but Van Dam moves. 
He slams the title belt onto Hardy's chest and then effortlessly heads up to the top rope and hits an incredible-looking five-star frog splash for the win in 12.31. I thought this was really good. Definitely matched the night so far. Um, and Jim Ross actually says, I don't know how many stars you want to give that at home, which is an unusual line for a commentator in the WF at any time. Uh, Uncle Dave Meltzer actually gave it four stars and described it as a show stealer in that week's uh, Wrestling Observer newsletter. What did you think of this uh, this match between Hardy and RVD? Very enjoyable. Uh, yeah. I really like that. Uh, so this was the hardcore match, right? Mm. And it really didn't need to be. Mm. Um, and actually, in my opinion, they the hardcore bit, there was some hardcore elements. This was a wrestling match. Yeah. And they wrestled from start to finish, really. I actually think that they sort of, at times I felt they were wedging props in. They didn't yeah. need them. They didn't need them. Um, it was, uh, you know, RVD was someone that, uh, again, over here, ECW wasn't a massive, um, but RVD was someone that you knew of. Yes. Um, so yeah, I knew about him. Um, always sort of thought, yeah, like they should get this guy over. Um and obviously the hardest were the hardest, right? So everyone yeah. knows about them. So thought it'd be good. It was good. Um, I still, you know, it's incredible when you think, as far as I work, Jeff's still there, isn't he? He's still, yes. yeah. I know there's been some, sort of maybe some weird stuff recently, but from what I understand, I don't, again, I, I'm not, I, 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 I only see from yeah. Twitter and stuff. Yeah. But, I, you know, I wonder, obviously Matt's coming to AEW, whether Jeff ever comes, I don't know. Um I would imagine they still ch- would charge a fair fair few quids to, uh, to come over because they've got a very big fan base. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I just I, I just thought it was a very good match. And you know, actually, four stars. That, yeah, I did think that was weird. Actually, mentioning the stars. That's yeah, it was, wasn't it? Before. Yeah, it was really really weird. And hearing Matt give it four stars. Look, it's at the time you maybe. Obviously, you've done a whole uh, thing on his five-star matches, so I don't want to criticise his rating system. Um, but I thought, actually, maybe... Uh, do you know what? I thought if that happens now, he might be looking at maybe four and a half. I thought, like I yeah, do. so... I thought that was a little... Yeah. Actually, when you told me that, I thought, a bit harsh, actually. Um, I think the, the problem with this match, I, I would... I probably would... The fit, okay, so in terms of ratings... If you're put the the way that I understand it from listening to him a lot over the years is if you're if you rate a match and I rate a match and you give it four point two five and I give it four it's the same so he's like if you if two people that watch wrestling and it's point two five out it's basically the same rating I possibly could have given this four point two five but I think at twelve minutes at four, four stars is a, is a like you, you've watched oh, that no, no, you, think, you think that was really really good and, and, and that's probably where it is but 12, 12 and a half minutes is quite short I think it probably needed a fifth gear or sixth gear or whatever you want to say to get it out but th- but this is this was a, this was a, a really really strong match I mean, it was very very, very enjoyable but yeah. I'm probably the best match on the card if yeah I would say probably the best match on the card um, the main event is good which we'll, which we'll obviously go on to um, uh, the next match the next so, match, so Vince is pace, yeah, yeah. The next match is, is a five star classic. So Vince is pacing backstage uh, when there's a knock at the door and in walks Kurt Angle. McMahon says that Angle has to be in the right frame of mind for this brawl. He has to think of the beating he took on SmackDown, his country, and his leadership in the team. Angle says enough of this Americana bullshit, which gets a big gasp from the crowd. Um, he asks Vince if he knows what he did in 1996. Vince says he won an Olympic gold medal. 
Kurt says he kicks some serious ass, which is what he's going to do tonight. And sure, he's going to do it for his country and for his company, but most of all, he's going to do it for himself. I thought this this was really odd. Um, that Americana line just seemed so out of place when Angle is going to be your top babyface very, very shortly after this. Um, what did you think of Angle and Vince here? Yeah, this is maybe the one promo that didn't quite work for me. Yeah. Um, the one that I've felt forced. Uh, the other ones, as I mentioned earlier, I thought it was good that, you know, he's, it, it looks like he's talking to his stars on a personal level. This felt, this felt the most like acting. Yeah. And it actually felt like I didn't really get on. The guy's uh, wearing, he's got, the guy's wearing a blue and red stars and stripes no, no. singlet. And he's talking about Americana, but like, the crowd is not going to like that. What? Why? What? Who the hell wrote that? I, I, I don't. Uh, it's a bit bizarre. I don't know if we. I don't know if we came up. Uh, yeah, God knows. I don't think these promos would have been word for word scripted back then, but they would have been bullet points, and and this would have been a pre-tape. So this wouldn't have been live. So I, I just like someone again. You're talking about quality control. There wasn't apart from the Torian um, Stacey Keebler bit. There wasn't too much on the show where you thought you know, quality control, apart from maybe Stephanie's bad acting or, or Shane or whatever. But this didn't make sense to me. And I thought no. that, that shouldn't that shouldn't have been in there. So um, back to Michael Cole and uh, Jim Ross. And Michael Cole says, talking about serious behinds, up next we have bra and panties. Ross right. adds the rule, yeah. Ross adds <laughs> the rules are simple. You strip your opponent down to their bra and panties, you win. So they show the build-ups this match with Trish um, getting close to Jeff Hardy and Tori and Stacey trying to get involved to cause friction. They show Lita saying to Trish that she knows they're not the best of friends, but they need to stick together. Uh, Mick Foley was wheeled out again to referee this, um, and then out came Lita. I really loved Lita's entrance music, and I, I was actually very fond of Lita back in the day, and still am, and I'm sure she's absolutely thrilled about that. Um, so were you, were you more of a Trish fan or Lita fan? Lita, Lita. Lita, yeah. Lita, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that, to be honest for me, Trish, I, I actually wasn't massive uh, Trish fan at all. Um, yeah. I, do you know what? The, the, the promo was really good Yeah. in regards to, like, it, the, in the lead up to this, they've really sold it well. Like, they, again, they've added, like, personal anger, whatever, relationships in, et cetera, et cetera. And then rather than like have it out in a wrestling match, they've gone, right, I'll tell you how we can resolve this. Yeah. You can strip some person off. You're, you're, you're absolutely right. The, the, the promo the, 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 the was build, really yeah, good. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, there's sometimes like back then, like look, we're interested in different organisations and stuff. We've touched on this before. It, I think right now, I'm not a massive fan, but I think right now it looks good. I'm watching them. In fact, we, <clears throat> we were discussing, um, I think last well, now it'll be, hang on, let me try and remember when this is going out. But the Fighter Fest day one. Yes. Uh, she she doing that was Penelope Ford was great. Brilliant. Absolutely yep. brilliant, right? Four and, stars from Meltzer, that one was. Yeah, brilliant match, yeah. right? And then it's like, whether it's, we we can't just have a, why could they just not have a normal women's match? Well, yeah. I, I think it is, it's just yeah. adding that bit of novelty in, isn't it? It's yeah. adding that bit of, you know, uh, it's just a shame because the promo is good. Quite often, you had the women's match sort of shoved in with what I might in pay per views. They put one in, and there'd be no backstory, and they just put it in. Yeah. Right? This one had a backstory. So, therefore, yeah, have so a match. Have if you've a match, not got a backstory, then throw a gimmick in, then throw yeah. a, you know. So, it's a bit of a shame, really, because actually, I've had some note, note here. These were four main stars, like in a women's 
not just women's division at WWF, but these were four, like, people knew these four people. Oh, big time. They, these were very these popular were ladies. Stars. Yeah, yep, yep, yeah. absolutely. Which, yeah, which yeah. is great, which is great for the card and great for the map. And, and it's got that slot behind the main event, which is never a slot you really want to no. have. So I get the placement of the match, but, and, and, and I get the, it's really good that they managed to get, you know, the four big women stars, but it's such a shame. Yeah. I know that sounds, you know, you'd think I'm sitting there going, oh, I don't even go, oh, what, you don't like a woman in her brown pants? Come on, like. But no, it's not about that. I know what you're saying. Yeah. The, the, the WF strong point back then was that they still had, they still had some development for stories. And I know this was more of an adult product or whatever, with the, with some of the, the storyline um, kind of tropes, but they had they had a reason to be fighting because Tory Wilson and Stacey Keeper were kind of moving in on the WF guys in terms of Matt and Jeff Hardy. But as you're right, yeah. they don't they don't have a wrestling match. So basically, in this, um, Trish Stratus and Lita ultimately beat Tory Wilson and Stacey Keeper in a double Brian Panther match at five oh four. Um, and I'm not sure uh, what age worse here, um, either the match itself or what Dave Meltzer wrote about it in that week's Observer, which was the following. Um, Dave wrote, it was what you'd expect, mainly women tearing their, cl- sorry, it was what you would expect, mainly women tearing clothes off each other. All four were in their bras when the WCW women had their pants taken off to lose. Keebler didn't seem that happy about being in her bra, like her parents actually didn't encourage her to be a stripper growing up. I mean, Brilliant. bloody hell, Dave. <laughs> what does she ever do to you? Can, can, I, can I say one thing about this and follow on from that? These women appear in the WWF calendar, which was always yep. a big seller. Uh, I'm sure a few of them done Playboy, etc. Get, yeah. get stripped to their bar and knickers, covering themselves up. Yeah, yeah. I like They literally got stripped and then they're in the ring covering all their bits and it's like, what? Why are you, why are you covering yourself? Like, I, think just, that, I think that's you, probably you just... Uh, yeah. living from that. But I, I, it just made me laugh when you, if you think about, it's like, oh, I'm a bit embarrassed to be in my bar and knickers here. Pardon? You know, like, what? That's what you, that's, you I guess they're, they're, wrestle they're, and yeah. do that. Um, I guess it's pushing the kind of the, 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 the heels playing up the kind of embarrassing. But it's just, it is, it is just a bit ridiculous when you really think just, about it, isn't it? Yeah. It's all just yeah. crazy. We've discussed before, it's of its time. I'm never going to judge these things. Um, and you know what? I watched it at a time and I probably, uh, 2001, I was 14. I probably bloody loved it. <laughs> <laughs> so we cut backstage to Stephanie screeching a pep talk before Heyman somewhat saved it. He said they have a good chance to show everyone the difference between a failure and a goal, which I thought was a quite a good line. And um, Shane, I thought was awful here. And so was Stephanie really over terrible overacting. And I can almost still hear Stephanie screeching in my eardrums. Um, backstage then they, they zoom out on Austin sitting with Deborah. Vince starts to give, trying to give Austin a pep talk and, and Austin stops him and tells him he's not there to sing to nobody, to play guitar to nobody. He's there to whip somebody's ass, and that got an absolutely huge reaction from the crowd. And he finishes with, that's the bottom line because Stone Cold said so. Uh, this is absolute pure electricity. What did you think of Austin here? Yeah, so, so we've got promo one, which is just, in essence, a pump to WCW lock. Yeah, yeah. So I can really say that maybe the script just said just look like you're up for it. Get pumped, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, the Austin one, you're great. Yeah, look, manages to get the catchphrases in. Um, you're right about the crowd, actually, and this is sort of something that's throughout the event. Um, and maybe more, stood out more because of what's happening at the moment. 
But this this whole event, I felt the crowd was so key. Yeah. In it, they were the crowd were pumped. They the crowd had a you know we are we're supporting like it was like a football match, right? Yeah. So, so normally, if you think about how this one this one is. Normally, two people wrestle and you've got a favourite. You might like one, I might like one. There's no right or wrong. I say, okay, you've got the heels and your baby faces and stuff. But this event, bar maybe the X-Pac match, it was, I don't care if you're a heel or what you are, you're representing WWF. And it was very, it was such a different atmosphere. Yeah. Um, and it was, and it really added to it. They were and, bought in. This is the WWE, this is the WWE yeah. crowd. These guys are invading. We want our yes. guys to win. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, yeah, yeah. I just thought it's worth a mention that it was a really, really made it. And I think, again, it probably stood out more now watching all of this empty arena stuff. Yeah. What effect a crowd can have on, you could have this, a match as they have now with other wrestlers watching and put exactly the same match in an arena and we might give it an extra star. Oh, one, without doubt, without doubt, yes, without doubt. Yeah, that, same that match, happened. that match on Fire Fest Two, the eight man tag. If that was, if that was on an arena on pay per view, uh, another five minutes, you're you're getting close to perfection there. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I just uh, I want that side of that, and and, uh, and you sort of mentioned about Austin. This is what this guy does. Yeah. Um, one of the. Do you know what? Not you got you got the Rock and Jericho promos. Their promos are talking jokes etc Austin he done his he didn't do loads of promos but when he done it just did it like you said earlier what would he have done just yep. did it right nothing yep. too much you know just right and, and this going into the main event again didn't really need to do any more to get the crowd in but it got them in they even got them in, more yeah. oh they were like they yeah. were off oh, I can't believe what they're about to do so from the, from yeah, the July I'm oh, no, so, so gutted from the July 30th Wrestling Observer, Dave Meltzer talks about Austin's injuries going into the main event. So uh, he says Austin did the main event with three, bro- three broken bones in his back and two broken bones in his hand, courtesy of the bumpy ticket the 24th of June, King of the Ring show when Booker T threw him over the announcer table. Um, Austin was x-rayed after the show, which didn't reveal any broken bones, but he was going to continue continual pain, particularly his back when just doing anything physical. He had a further test on the 19th of July, which revealed the five breaks. He had breaks of the L2, L3, and L4 bones, which are not weight-bearing bones, so he was able to gut it out on the pay-per-view. So this guy had three broken bones in his back and two in his hand. And I thought, actually, um, I know he was out of the match, but he did a superplex from the top rope, and he was in He was in it. Wasn't he? Uh, this is nuts. He was able to perform at any any particular level. I feel in, sort in of bad event. that, like, in, in maybe in the next five minutes, I, I might be criticising him. Yeah. Uh, given that, but... You know what? He, he, he still fought in it, so I feel yeah. I'm, I'm allowed to criticise him. So they recap the purchase of WCW, the ECW faction forming, and all of the key storyline points leading to the main event. And here it is. So Shane is out first, doing the same stupid motions and dance he's been doing for 20 plus years. Um, then we get the ECW theme, and out comes Paul Heyman and Stephanie. And I can already feel my blood starting to boil knowing where this ends up. Um, Stephanie's blouse actually didn't look all that different from a full and wake kit here with a base of red and some black stripes which was quite quite a nice touch clearly a, a closet Fulham fan um, Vince is out next to a huge pop and he has a typical Vince strut on going and has a great look of disgust on his face looking at his traitorous children and they did alternate entrances here with the Dudleys followed by Kane and The Undertaker with Limp Biscuit rolling theme surviving on the network and the crowd is out there six feet two were you a Limp Biscuit fan back in the day? Big time yeah me too yeah, I, I, I was a Limp Biscuit fan 
and then when they his music started what, what was he changed music to that oh gosh yeah. I mean uh, when, when I'll come on to these things in a minute but oh my god like yeah that was great like if if a wrestler done that now like just used like a in essence a I'm sure Olympus maybe went in a conventional charts, but a chart song, you'd be a bit like, yeah. it's a bit of a cop out. But then it was like, <laughs> it was so yeah. cool. It was so cool. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And actually, because of that, one of the things I, I think was one of the things I actually didn't used to like at WrestleMania's was when they had the live bands. Triple H was very big on it. 100%. Like that. It all. was a babyface killer. The fans didn't want it, didn't like it. It's no. never worked. Yeah. You want the agree. music. Yeah. Um, I think I've seen that work once. And again, it sounds like people are a bit like, well, look at this pro AEW guy, but I'm only going off what I watch, right? Jericho did it with a choir, but when they finished singing, he played his music. Yes, and he's a heel as well. Yeah, so yeah. it works because yes. you still got the music, but you still add the little bit first. Every, right? Everyone's just standing there thinking, this is this just sucks. I just want to hear the guy. I've paid, Doesn't I want to see the, the entrance. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah completely agree. So, anyway, but yeah, Limbiscuit, yeah. So next up is Rhino, as Ross on commentary calls Shane and Stephanie Vince's ungrateful children. Um, Ross puts over Rhino's accomplishments and says he was the last ECW champion and TV champion. Uh, next up, the old school Jericho countdown. I bet you love this. Um, I honestly yeah. never thought that this entrance music could be top. I think Judas now steals it. What do you think? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, <laughs> okay, so let me, do you know what? I, I, can't, I can't, I might as well say, my notes on this match are literally notes about entrance themes. Okay, go uh, ahead. Well, there was 12 entrance themes. Yes, yeah. Right? Uh, it was, for me, probably the highlight of the match that the, there was 12 entrance themes yeah. and you could really get in it. Vince, I've got it. Vince's music is iconic, right? Yeah. Great. And it's made by the, the strut, right? Yes. I mean, it's just, it's hilarious. Back then, though, that's when he done that strut and I don't, and it wasn't quite, there was a stage where he was doing that strut thing because it was just what he was doing. Mm. And then and then I think he twigged that it's people like it and then it just become ridiculous. Oh, yeah. I don't even uh, mean like more of a caricature. This is just like... Yeah, this oh, was yeah, a normal, yeah I just exactly. thought this, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I've got Limp Bizkit, Undertaker era. Obviously, it's just the motorbike era, all of that. I wasn't a massive fan of that. Um, I think with the Undertaker, it was always excellent to have the you know the lights go out mm. it sort of made me think like again I, I've not I've not been fortunate to go over to the States and watch an event but I can imagine if if, if your first sort of foray over to watch live wrestling in America and that was the Undertaker entrance you saw I think you'd be like oh, that was it that was yeah that was yours yeah so yeah. I'd be like no I saw oh. him at SummerSlam 92 when I was a kid but he came but out yeah. to roll in at WrestleMania 17 yeah and you'd be like oh, but no do you know what though I oh. The crowd went. If you go back and watch that, the crowd went nuts for that rolling entrance. Oh, I mean, I, I mean, I'm doing the, the, I was bike, doing the bike. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm doing the I'm doing the old rolling, rolling, yeah, rolling. I'm doing yeah. the pretend I'm driving a car. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. Look, there we are. And then, and then also that that music always reminds me because that's when the last ride was bought. That he yes. started using the last ride from that. Yeah. Uh, which sort of sort of gave him free finishing moves. Um, the last ride was one I was always like, okay. Yeah, it's all right. I like the actual because he extends the arms, right? So yes. I quite like that. Um, yeah, and then, right. I mean, if I'm doing the rolling, I can tell you now, I don't care that it's 2020 and it's been years. Uh, that music can come on anywhere. I could be anywhere. If I hear that countdown and that <laughs> thing, my arms 
If you're if you're within, <laughs> if we work out, it'll work out all right now with a two meter rule. Because uh, I tell you what, you'd need to be two meters away from me because them <laughs> arms are going up. I tell They're you, going out. Yeah, they yeah. are going up. Right. I mean, I did it again. I tell you what, also I did though to make matters to make it more uh, amusing. Under Jericho's name, when it come up, yeah, everyone else had their name and it's sort of blank underneath, right? Now you get the Twitter handle, yeah? Yes, yeah. Under Jericho's, you had WWFY2J.com. Oh, okay, yeah. Just to clarify, it's now available for purchase. Oh, is it? I went on it earlier on. Someone's got it as like a, uh, you click on it and it's like one of them sort of junk ones where you click to other sites. Yeah. And there's a little link to buy it. Did I contemplate it today? Yes. Did I buy it? No. I had to stop myself. How much was it? I, I, do you know what? I didn't click all the way through. Mm. Number one, it sort of started to get a bit like... A bit dodgy. Central, yes. And I was yeah. wondering what viruses would get. And number two, I just thought, what if it is affordable? What am I going to do? <laughs> um, so, yeah, if it's like I mean, 50 quid, am I going to yeah, get I'm this? Yeah. buy it, yeah. And then just be like, right, great, I've got it. Um, so he was the only one that had that. No mm. one else had a website. So uh, micro, I think they had micro, uh, I don't know what the right term is. Microsites. Microsites, yeah, microsites, yeah. Um, he had that. Um, so that was, yeah, just a side. And then the other sort of theme of note to me, actually, sorry, just to go back to what you mentioned earlier, um, the whole alternate uh, entrances was great. Yes. And yeah. actually made sense because in the lead up to the match, in the, in the promos, it sort of had people next to each other so it sort of had you, you come out with who you were next to yeah if that yeah. makes sense so you know you had the Dudley boys and then you I think you had uh, Kane and Undertaker next to them then you oh had, I see what you mean on the graphics so they, they did yeah. They, they, yeah okay that's a nice touch yeah, yeah and they come out in that in that way yeah um, and obviously the last theme of Austin but this is the Austin theme with lyrics yes the disturbed theme yeah which do you know what that's a weird one because when um, I went through the... I'd forgot about that. Mm. And when I went and watched all the WrestleManias, I don't... It's hard because I watched them so much, but I found myself singing lyrics to his thing and wondering to myself, Have I, did I make that up? As a kid, <laughs> like, thinking to myself, I made up them lyrics. And then, that made, and then, and then I watched this and went, oh, no, I didn't. I like that theme. I it, thought it was great. It's a bit like uh, for people listening in the UK... That there's actually lyrics to this EastEnders theme. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and yeah. I always remember my mum telling me that. And every time it comes on, I would sing it, and people would go, "What are you singing?" I'm like, "That's <laughs> the actual lyrics. I do know about this." And uh, yeah, this. So yeah, for anyone that I've ever sort of met before, maybe said anything, I did not come up with my own lyrics for Steve Austin's <laughs> theme. It's a real song. I mean, his, 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 Joe, he's had, so he had three, 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 well, no, he had more than that, actually, because after this, he had another song, a different one, um, but he had the original Austin music, not forgetting the Ringmaster stuff, the Austin music versus Bret Hart was different from what he had later on, because that was a little bit more understated, and they built it up, the bass in, in the second version of his song, which was obviously iconic, and everyone knows that one, but I did think the Disturbed, I thought the Disturbed song with the lyrics was really intense, and like the beats yes. of it, and the, it just works in that kind of rock metal kind of time. I, I thought it really worked for him, oh, especially oh, the the seven. Sorry, sorry the, seven, the WrestleMania seventeen entrance is is huge, and he gets a massive pop on this one as well. It's just like it just worked. It just really did. Yeah, I, I mean, I've gotten the music point. I will come when we 
come to the conclusion of the match. I'll come back to actually the I think the effect that the this music had different to his other one, if you want. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Say, yeah. Note to self, make sure I don't forget that. But yeah, go on. No, yeah. <laughs> so basically, so just to run through this something some interesting here. So uh Jericho comes out and the crowd is is hyped for his arrival. Um Interestingly, the WCW world champion is not out last for their team as Booker is out fourth uh, here holding both titles. And Cole says, here's a guy that has no class. Ross calls him another sellout. Um, and that really doesn't make any sense because I'm not really sure what he's supposed to do. Like, cause he can't work for WCW any, uh, anymore because they've gone out of business and WF have bought them. So it's a bit of a bizarre plot pot. A bizarre plot point. Now Angle is out, and again the crowd absolutely erupts for him. And um, this angle, this version of Angle was so bloody brilliant. Um, so much so, my old password at work at the time was actually Angle one two three. So safety first, clearly there. Um, <laughs> DDP was out last the WCW ECW team, and Cole unkindly calls him a nut job and a lunatic. Um, so Taker meets DDP in the aisle, and Cole says, "Here we go. The inaugural ball has begun." Forgetting that the WF team is just one more man to come. We then get the glass break and Austin, the reigning WWF world champion, is out. So a thunderous reaction that makes me sick to my stomach about what they did uh, yeah. to his great disturbed thing, as we talked about, with the gun arena absolutely exploding. Jim Ross said that the ovation was like a religious experience when Austin came out, um, when, he came, when the old Stone Cold came back. And, well, and I, do you know what? It bloody was. The crowd yeah. just will it, willing him. We watched that. I know we watched that not all that long ago. Um, so I'm not going to go through because there's a lot, there's a lot going on in this tag match. Ta- uh, 10, 10, 10, <laughs> 10, 10, 10. There's a lot going on in this 10-man tag match. Um, so I'm not going to go through it in any huge depth. Um, but I thought the match was largely really good with some great intensity, particularly angle. looked fantastic. And before we move on to the finish, did you have anything to add about sort of the body of the match here before we get on to the, the close? Uh, I guess the main thing for me to add, well, not add, but just sort of mention is this match, the whole card... Um, go back to my uh, yeah, my mate, mate Tony. The, he didn't like he didn't like this as a WCW fan because of the whole card. But this match mm. is and this lineup is one of the reasons. It's the main reason he didn't like it. Yeah, we are looking at five elite WWF superstars here, right? Yeah. Like literally, like like no matter your, no matter your opinions of them, these are five main eventers. That WCW team okay i'd heard of them all right but you're looking at the dudley boys who had obviously turned but they were they were a good tag team but we're not talking but look it's not like they've gone right we've got the dudley boys in should we put in the hardies okay yeah. now the hardies are better than dudley boys but this it's a they would probably face each other in a like that's really so they would face each other yeah you've the got ta- ta- and undertaker yeah like, the ta- made it, like, yeah so, sorry, Dad, I was going to say is that the, the tag team wrestling in the WWF was not pushed as the main event. So you're absolutely no. right. So, yeah, yeah. So they've made a tag team like an elite tag team in the yeah. Brothers of Destruction. Um, then you've got, then you had, what was it, is it Rhino? Yep. And they sort of done the, the cross, I think it was Jericho for him, I think, on the on the, on the the Okay, yes, yeah. Look, this is how I viewed this graphic that they're trying to say this is the like for like, this is our, this is our version of you. Hmm. D- if that makes sense and again no no you've got Jericho there as like you know winning all these belts right and no disrespect to right it's not his fault but it's not there's no, it's nowhere near there in the same thing okay Booker T and Diamond Dallas Page yeah okay look they are two they are they I would view them as two big WCW stars um and yeah I mean definitely Booker T right that all day he would be in any in any lineup 
that WCW put forward. But obviously, because of, you know, the legalities of, you know, contract disputes where people have got going, that WCW team, you know, you should be looking at, you know, your Goldbergs, your Stings, your Nashes, your this, that, the other. Do you know what I mean? And, yeah. And actually, you're like, look, from a WWF perspective, it's great. You see all your top stars. But from their perspective, I don't know, like, it's a difficult one, right? Because again, at the end of the day, it's a, it's contact, it's contractual. A lot of this, and hmm. and, and it's well, a sign that, of the times. So things yeah. have moved on. I mean, I mean, I, one thing I was going to ask earlier on, and yeah, uh, excuse my knowledge here, but what WCW and ECW at this time did they have their own weekly shows, and did they have their own pay per views? Yeah, so so WCW was weekly on TNT on Monday nights, um, and ECW still was show, right? okay. yeah, still not show. Um, ECW was, I think, Saturday nights on uh, TNN, um, but they had been cancelled um, sometime before uh, they went out of business because I think what had happened is um, they TNN were well, their stars uh, were in WWF, weren't they? Because part of this in the lead up, wasn't it, that they turned on? So ECW, yeah, I yeah. think I'd already worked out. I'd already actually said about that. So, they so, so um, their, their last show on uh, the, the TNN, which which it ultimately ended up getting the rights to Raw, and that was a big thing for um, the basic ECW being cancelled on there. They they last last were um, aired on October sixth, two thousand. Um, but yeah, ECW didn't have as many pay per views a year, but. Um, WCW was still running twelve pay per views a year, pretty much at, the, at this at this time. So, yeah, but but WCW is a, a very different tale to the ECW. ECW was a promotion that um, that hit at the right time in a in a wrestling boom, um, and they did do very good numbers on pay per view a few times, um, but were weren't a they were a national promotion, but they it was a bit different. It wasn't quite the same as what WCW was. And I probably can't quantify that in the right way. WCW, and I would highly recommend the book. I'm sure uh, Tony's read it, The Death of WCW. But it's just crazy what happens in that company from 97, where they're smashing raw every week in the ratings, through to being out of business by April 2001. Yeah. They, they, <laughs> they lost but, but so Tony much was, money. They, they were still, 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 still getting figures um, sort of close to the 2 million. Yeah, but the uh, problem on Nitro was when they went. Yeah. But I guess it's a different time. Yeah, the two, two, two million now is amazing. But it's yeah, a different time. TV landscape totally different now because because you have more, you got more channels now and less and, and also DVRs weren't a thing. So um, people watch TV out live or, or or recorded it on a VHS. There was no such thing as a TiVo or Sky Plus or anything like that then. Um, so the even t, even TNA smashed AEW in ratings most of the time, but it's just different yeah. now. So the expectations yeah. to the networks are different, and also there wasn't the money in the in the in the wrestling rights that there was there is now. Um, so yeah. I mean, Raw back then was doing in, in, incredible numbers, um, yeah. probably three times what it does now. I don't know, no, uh, definitely, definitely more than that. Probably five times, five or six times what it does now. In terms uh, of I numbers. think we're talking, we're talking in a sort of isn't it a week they posted their lowest. They pretty much get their pretty much their lowest non-holiday shows every single week at the moment, which I do understand yeah. a bit. Again, it's a sign of the times, yeah. It's yeah, not because like because of their because of their um, the empty arena stuff. But, but yeah, I, the, the, I know there's something on the network. Um, I think I've saved. I'm just looking at. That, um, uh, like a documentary um, mm. about, is it? I think it's there's a documentary called something something about rise and fall of the rise and fall, the rise and fall, yeah, yeah, the rise I mean, and fall. It, 
It's okay. Is that worth watching? I don't uh, know. It's okay, but it's 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 it's, it's WWE revisionist history, basically. Um, the, the, I mean, ultimately, it's creative. It's terrible, terrible creative. It's like the WWE are doing now. It's awful, awful, awful creative. We'll catch up to you and we'll kill off your audience. Um, and that is what happened to WWE. And the problem with this, I think they could have made it work. And I, I'll go on to this after after the end of the main event, but. I think they could have made this work with the people they had because there was interest here. But what they needed to do is get some of these people that all in, all pretty much, other than Sting much later, ended up in the company. Yeah. Um, but they had Time Warner guaranteed contracts where they could sit at home and do nothing. Yeah. And WWE didn't want to break the salary structure to bring the people in. They didn't Gold- need to. No. I mean, the thing is, you could have done Goldberg and Steve Austin at WrestleMania 18 or the biggest pay-per-view they've ever done. And, and, and yeah. always. It would have always held the record because it's not pay-per-view now. Um, but going into the closing sequences, uh, there was an angle slam on Bubba Ray Dudley and an ankle lock on Booker. Booker kicked angle off into the ref. Mike Kyoto went down. Vince grabbed the WF title belt, but Shane got it and hit Vince with it. Angle knocked Shane out of the ring and gave Booker the angle slam um, and had him in the ankle lock. Booker was tapping, but there's no referee. Um, Austin then made his comeback, having been down for some time on the outside with what seemed to be a legitimate injury. Actually, looking back on it... Um, I thought this was less less legitimate looking than when the first time I saw it because um, I because they did show him a couple of times, which was a bit of a giveaway. But back then, I thought this was this is odd. But it was odd that the commentators didn't say anything about it. Um, and the observer can, can sort of confirm this point that it was just an attempt at making the crowd and the TV audience think that he was hurt to make the ending more shocking. Um, Austin threw Kyoto in the ring, um, but then he kicked Angle and gave him the stunner put Booker T on top of him and ordered the ref to count for the win in 29.03. And the show ended with Austin in the ring, drinking beer with Shane, Stephanie and Heyman. Um, so just before I get your, your thoughts on sort of this main event, um, I just want to put into, into a bit of context just how big this buy rate was. Um, and it, I don't think it was just the WCW stuff. I think that was a big part of it. But I think a huge part of this 770-odd thousand people that bought this pay-per-view is because people wanted to see Austin as a babyface. The turn didn't work. Um, fundamentally, Pete Austin was out for a year with a, with a career-threatening neck injury, and people wanted to cheer him. And it wasn't the right choice at WrestleMania for him to go as a heel. And it wasn't it, even more so... You don't. You should have learned from your mistake. You could. You could have made that. An, you know, an aberration. He was back as a babyface, and this was huge. And to put it into context, this event did more pay per view pay per view buys than than ran, the, the wildly successful Randy Savage versus Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania Five, and miles more than Hogan versus Warrior at WrestleMania Six. Albeit slightly different with number of homes that have got you know had access to all the pay per views. Um, but everything before everything before this, in terms of. Um, Everything before that in terms of WrestleMania and a lot after it, including Austin versus Michaels at WrestleMania 14 with Tyson Bolt. This was a huge pay-per-view. And really, it wasn't until the days where pay-per-view was available in lots of different parts of the world rather than these events airing on like a Channel 4 or Sky, uh, you know, on a premium channel you pay for, but no extra charge to the pay-per-view. But their numbers really, really went up. Um, so I just, it, obviously, that's with Heinz that wouldn't have known the pay-per-view buys. On the pay-per-view buy, do they, is that, do they... Do they judge that when they record that? Mm. Is that just American buys? Or yeah, so that that, that, that seven seventy would have been um, probably just North America, USA, and Canada. But do they still do that? Is that still is that like how they record it always? Do they, do so, they always just go, okay, the, you know, we sold this many pay per views because um, because the, the only reason I mentioned that is that seven seventy. If they then at a later date started using international ones, as we said earlier, this was free in England. Yeah. So 
I'd just be interested if they now include international well actually this would have been even more Oh yeah, so 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 actually, because obviously the network changes it quite a lot. But in in the days like the, so, like Rock versus Cena at WrestleMania twenty eight is a bit is the most bought wrestling pay per view of all time, and that included international bias. You've got Australia, you've got UK, all that sort of stuff. I mean, yeah. I don't know, I don't know what the UK fifty thousand maybe in the UK. It wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been huge, but it'd been, it, you know, it's not that's not insurmountable. Maybe a hundred, who knows? But um, there was certainly been a few hundred thousand from the various parts of the world that. Europe, yeah, Germany, obviously. Oh, yeah, Germany's another big one as well. So, so, but, but this is, it's, 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 it's hard to put into context just how big this, you know, a, a, a pretty rank undercard. Yeah. I, I really think it goes back to what I said about it's gone from supporting, watching wrestling and supporting an individual that you like. There is something, there is something about, a collect a team collective there is yeah. something about team sports that will all it's always a thing you know look I, I like all sports right don't get me wrong but look if we take tennis right I like watching it I appreciate good tennis I might like a player I might not a player I can't physically I, there's something about just not being able to get into just cheering on a person mm. right but a team because they're representing something else do you see what I mean? Like, you know, if you if you're a like golf people that like golf, massive. Oh, I love Tiger Woods. He then has his sort of personal like you know issues, etc. And it's like, oh, you know, I don't really like him now, whatever. Right. Well, I don't know because you just like Tiger Woods. Yeah. Let's take a team sport. Okay. Oh, Tiger Woods plays up front for Fulham. Does something. We sell him. Move on. We get someone else in because you. I don't want you representing my team. I like you, but actually, I can easily move on from you because yeah. I support the team. And it is that is a thing. People would have wanting to buy that to support WWF. I bet over there you had WCW WWF parties. Yeah. I bet yeah. you had. I bet you had people going right. What team are you on? What team are you on? Yeah, yeah. You know, beforehand, you're on this team. Shot if you lose. Shot if you win. Do you know what I mean? Just. The team thing. I completely understand why this sold. Yeah, this, this was this was people wanting to support the WF as a collective with Steve Austin back as a babyface versus the yes. enemy WCW, and that was it. And that's why I did such a huge huge number. And um, what did you what did you think of the match here in terms of the the actual just the, so the, the ma- nuts and bolts of the match? The match itself. I mean, there's so much going on. Mm. Um, I think because it all kicked off actually even before they even got in the ring. Yeah. Um, I mean. There was loads going on. There was things where actually sort of the camera wasn't really keep like not not an issue. Like actually it's more realistic in theory, actually, that the camera wasn't keeping up. So all of a sudden, and actually that is sort of leads to the Austin thing because he hurts his knee. And I think Booker T does it, I think. Yeah, he stands into steps, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Now look, for me, okay, I, I see what they want to do there. It sounds like the, the guy's injured, so he doesn't probably want to do too much anyway. They want to make it sort of that he's come out of nowhere, right? I, I, I looked. He was down with, with the EMTs, whatever, for six minutes, mm. right, from, from when the incident happened. Previous to that, him and Booker T had gone over the barricade. They had done all these different things, you know, moves outside the ring. He then, like, pushes him into the stairs. He's down for five minutes. Mm. What? He's taking off the strap in. You know, I personally would have probably just maybe shown a big move because I don't think that move was big enough to keep him down. And then maybe they kept panning back to him. What, what was and the psychology I, and, there And, and that well. was annoying yeah. me, the panning back, because 
you're looking going, okay, you're planning back another two minutes have gone. And so far, from what I could see, the MT is still trying to get your knee brace off. Yeah. And what, now, what was the what was the psychology there? Was Austin down feigning an injury because he knew what he was about to turn? Because it looked like Shane and Stephanie knew that he that's the bit I was going to ask you uh, was what, what was, and I can't remember if this explained, I'm not going to go back and watch anymore. This, this nonsense with Austin as a heel. Um, but was, it looked like Stephanie and Shane were in on it. So was this knee injury to get him out of the match? Actually, I personally don't think they were. Oh, you uh, think the other side? Okay. Yeah. I think that no one knew what he was going to do. Mm. Um, I mean, I don't know if you're, were you going to cover what, what happens post this? I don't know if you, you, you've probably got a better I haven't got any, any notes about that. So, I, so again, I went to, I'll go on the Wikipedia because again, right, to put it this way, just you even covering that then was annoying me. Just even <laughs> thinking about it again was yeah, really yeah. annoying, which is stressing me out. Um, and okay, so it's a bad ending where you're like, I, I felt flat watching it again. Yeah, I did as well. And I don't know yeah. whether I was in two minds. Number one, you just, it's flat because it's not the ending. And maybe going back, you know, I'm team WWF. So maybe, you know, all of a sudden I'm back in there. I've watched the whole show in detail, probably more detail than I watched before because I know I'm going to talk about it with you. I'm fully involved. And actually that made me feel a bit flat because in essence, my team lost. So maybe it's got me back in it how many years later. Um, New 20 years later. But I understand after the reason he claims in the raw the next day that he did it was because he doesn't feel appreciated. Right. Mm. So my view, what I think would have worked is, okay, he turns and he does what he done. Yeah. But then when Shane and Stephanie come in and Heyman to sort of say, mate, he's done as them as well. Mm. So in essence, he's actually going, you know what? I don't need to do what Vince has said. Oh, but I'm not your mates either. I'm my own man. In essence, you know, to make a statement, I needed to sort of let WWF lose, but then also then show, I don't care about WCW either. I don't care about any of you. And if you'd have then stunned all of them, you're then, you've got him in the middle of the ring with everyone on the floor, and then you might have then gone, okay. Does that kill the back. angle though, is there anything? Does that yeah, kill? Yeah. Then was there an angle? Because what I read from the aftermath, it was sort of like, he sort of said... It, it's because I'm unappreciated. And then I understand it didn't take very long. This whole invasion angle was dead anyway. It was dead at Survivor Series, yeah. yeah so, 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 so Survivor Series was, was for the for the company, basically. So I think it was four and four, five and five. But for the company, yeah. WF1, Austin was still champion. He was on the other side. And that was it, basically, yeah. That was yeah, it. so it didn't... Again, look, it might say people killed the angle, but I do think that maybe she should have just... For the reasons I didn't feel appreciated, for the fans have been just stunner everyone. I mean, don't wrong. We've all like he done how many times did he do that? He done that like there's loads of times where at the end of the match, anyone that comes up to him, you know, even his like tag team partners, he'd just stunner them, right? Do, do you know what? Do I think that, I think actually think thinking back on this, and I hadn't written this in my notes, because I actually put in my notes that perhaps you could have put Jericho as, as turned Jericho. But actually, what I would have done in hindsight is I would have had the WF win this match, clean as a whistle, and then I would have had the Rock come back and I'd have had the Rock turn. Rock turn, yeah. Yeah, because I think I read in the aftermath then, this is the other thing when you say about the angle, actually, from what, again, I haven't gone back and looked, I'm only going off Wikipedia here, but it sort of said he did it because he felt underappreciated. And then it said that actually the, the sort of uh, theme after that was all about the Rock. 
The Rock and Booker T was, was the summer, yeah, yeah exactly, so was the summer this, top match. So that's yeah. why when you say about the angle, well, actually, the angle was sort of dead within about, it sounds yeah. like that it was dead by the next month. You had Ang- Angle and Steve Austin, yeah, for the title, which was a, which was a DQ. And then, then September 11th happens. So Kurt Angle won the title in September, dropped it back to Steve Austin on Raw three weeks later because they wanted a babyface ending at the pay-per-view in September, which is understandable. Yeah, yeah it, was, um, it was all a bit of a mess. And I don't, Austin... The company never recovered from this, really, at the, at the level it was. And, and I think, um, just to give my closing thoughts on it, if this if this was a, a night where Austin hadn't attained, or Jericho attained, or Angle attained, or something had happened other than this, I probably would have given this event a 7 out of 10, maybe a 6.5, but I can't give it more than a 3, because this this was chronically bad booking from this this company. And actually... If you if you chart the course from 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 pretty much this point to a year later, the company is in disarray, and it's all because of bad creative. And 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 actually, they whether this is Austin, I know Austin was pushing for that heel turn at WrestleMania 17, or or what it was, they just made the wrong choices at the wrong time here. Um, and I think I think the Rock might have worked. I just thought I've never thought that before, but actually. The Rock was already getting a few boos. In that run-up to the Steve Austin Rock match at WrestleMania, the Steve Austin was getting the bigger crowd reactions, probably for nothing other than he hadn't been around for a year and absence makes the heart grow fonder. But yeah, it, it wasn't what it wasn't ultimately what happened. And what did, what would you give this one? This one out of ten. I put five. Five, which uh, I think is reasonable, you, yeah. Well, for me, that is quite low because you're mm. very harsh, as we've we've had many chats about. But the reason I actually Sort of part of me is I, I, I wouldn't want to rate it too low. Let's go back to what we said. Look, the issues with this pay-per-view was that if it was done properly in regards to there was no restrictions, business restrictions in regards to contracts, you would have had a, a show talked about for years. I'm, Joe, I'm, not, I'm, not sure have, I'm not sure I'd have brought that. Sorry, sorry it's not. The only thing I would say is I think the way to have done it is probably to bring him in later. You could have had an, even if WWE won this in a way, or whatever way you want to do, and then WF think they've done it, and then then Hogan comes out, and then or Nash comes out, or Goldberg comes out, and you can spread it out. And then I think in, yeah. I think you've got two years in this. You you, you can, oh you, yeah, you've got you've got ages you can drag yeah. this out. But again, you've got this contractual debate. Yeah, you know that, that you know they know that they they they've got stars that they can't get. I mean, if you'd have had the actual, you know, some of us five be the actual best five WCW. This we talk about to put in uh, context. I uh, I don't know how long ago now. Uh, a few months ago, someone uh, alerted me to this uh, ECW one night stand. Yeah. Superb pay-per-view. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Right? Same concept in theory, right? Same concept. And that worked. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I was like, when someone told me about it, I was like, whatever. Actually, I was like, <laughs> wow, that really, really worked. And don't get me wrong, mm. all them stars are older and stuff like that. But that worked. So look, they were a bit tied here on the contract things, which is a bit of a shame. I think, you know, when I look back through 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 the, through the matches, which you sort of said, you know, you, the early matches are just, you know, uh, the promos are great, which is what they were good at. Um, you move on. The matches seem to sort of, I mean, you're looking at it, RVD, Jeff Hardy stands out. Then you, you're really scraping the barrel, which is a real shame. Yeah. And do you know what? It goes back to what we said earlier on. This was made, the crowd made this. The reason, I reckon, again, if, if the crowd weren't as pumped up as they were, I'll tell you what, this was, if, if this was a no crowd show like now, 
are oh, awful. This yeah. would be getting absolutely slammed. Yeah. But people will not remember that. I mean, go back to, I mentioned earlier about Austin's music, actually. The one thing I would say is when he turned, like he did, that music worked really well. Mm. They took it away from him, though. Yeah, but 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 when he won, and now yeah. it was like, boo, whatever. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. music, then the lyrics coming in was like, did, like did, he's a bit of a bad man. Did you, know, you think, like, though, did you think that with the... I thought there's a little bit of go away heat after Austin turned. So I, I saw the crowd and they weren't. Fu- I didn't think they were furious. There's some booze and stuff. I thought they were. Tr- I thought they were. They were heading out. I, I thought that was a. Oh, for God's sake! Why have they done this? Sort of. Sort of end. It was. And, and- yeah. I, the, the, the the cheers were because it was him. Mm. You know, when people say, you know, you, you have like some musicians like say Justin Bieber that can bring out a song where he just goes, uh, and it will finish and it, it, he'll get a top 10. Yeah. It's Steve Austin. So, okay, I'm annoyed at you, but you're right in front of me with a beer. And I'm going to take a photo uh, and stand Swearing, yeah. I'm going yeah. mad here. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm getting my disposable camera out, as you know. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just like, you know, it's, yeah. Oh, what a life. You know, if you're listening to this podcast, you get all the way to this and go, God, they're, flat now aren't they but that is how that is how it was <laughs> the proof is in the pudding like he had some moments as a heel against uh you know um against angle he had some good matches of him the, the summer match was good the the match in september i think the pay was i think it was unforgiven was was good but it just never it never quite clicked and and towards the end of the year it was a mess they unified the titles at a throwaway pay-per-view in december which they should never have done it should always have been champion versus champion, a little tournament. And you could do it in so many ways. Um, and, they, and they really messed up the promotion perhaps forever. I mean, they've had, they've had good moments since then. Don't get me wrong. They've had really good periods, really good pay-per-views, cracking matches, cracking feuds. But something was lost on this, on this night. For our generation, for our generation, 2001 is probably the last year that when you talk to people, they're like, Oh, I stopped. Yeah. Sort of stopped watching it after two thousand and one. That I hear that maybe two thousand one, two thousand and two. Yeah, it's generally I hear then people go. I sort of switched off. Yeah, people say that WrestleMania seventeen was the end of the Attitude Era. I would disagree with that. I think the end of the Attitude Era is the moment Steve Austin turns in this in this pay per view, and it's never quite the same again. Anyway, so that is. A, a whopping nearly two and a half hours oh, on hey. uh, an invasion pay-per-view and next month next month uh, we'll be back to review the very first pay-per-view I ever watched uh, which was WWF SummerSlam 1990 and um, so Dan thank you very much uh, for your time uh, where can people find you uh, on Twitter if they want to you know tell you you're wrong about something in this port correct this, uh, this which I have had yeah. uh, I have had some people correct me which just to clarify, I love, so please continue to do so. Uh, it's at Dan PFFT. Uh, I talk about Fulham. I talk about Cowboys once the season started. And as you'll see from my blog now, I've, uh, I talk about Mid-South. So, What are they doing with the NFL season? Is it, this is going to be well out of date by the time we talk about it. Are they doing it behind yeah. closed doors? It's, well, from what I understand, look, I don't wanna, this is where I'm going to get corrected from people. But uh, I think it's still going ahead. It's yeah. uh, I mean, again, America... I'm not one to talk, but I've got friends there. It's a state by state, isn't it? It's all a bit. Yeah, know, perhaps uh, we should. Perhaps we should. <laughs> well, maybe, perhaps perhaps we won't talk about that. Actually, maybe yeah. we'll leave talking about America to the experts. Yeah, uh, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Our, our politics is bad enough here, so we'll we'll leave that to them. Dan, thank you very much again, mate. Cheers, uh, we mate. should speak again soon. 
thank you very much for listening to this week's episode. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please head over to iTunes where you can subscribe and perhaps you'll even be kind enough to leave me a lovely five-star review, which would absolutely make my day. If you're interested in guest hosting, please contact me via the Mid-South Moments Twitter account, which is at MidMoments. And I look forward to speaking to you all again very, very soon.